Coming to you from the X-Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6NERDS5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Hi, this is Georges Genty, and you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Here we go again, it's our film explosion. The movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop, here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even black exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. Airplane. Or maybe. The Shining. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. Film explosion. This is Real Nerds Podcast, officially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2020 and beyond. And we have also been voted as one of the top 10 Dirtastic Podcasts by Denver Westward. I am Ryan. With me is Zach. And Henry. He's in New York, but don't worry, guys. He's quarantined. And James. And Brad. Every week we see a new movie and podcast our experience to the world, but mm. coronavirus is making this a little hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, oh. but we've built up such a coalition and so many other episodes that um, this year for our retro film explosions, we are actually going to do four fret retro film explosions. So we're starting this one with Film Explosion 1980. Yes. We're going 40 years back. As, as Which, far back as we can uh, that you can still probably... Make Almost it. do a ten top top ten list. <laughs> yeah, can <exactly>. you? <laughs> I can. I yeah. mean, I I think I had about like thirteen rough. movies. I kind of so ass- I kind of assumed I mean, this one was going to be easy because like nineteen eighty sounds like a big year, and then I I looked at it and I was like, this this is impossible. Well, even like, one movie that's so on Letterboxd isn't a nineteen eighty movie. Really? There, there's yeah. some Which one. Is it one we're going to talk about? I don't know um, because it was made and then it was delayed, and then I oh. went back and I looked at the. Um, the re- actual release date and it was June 11th, 1981. Oh, so um, interesting. Well, there's also some. Is it one? Is it one that's possibly on our lists? It, uh, it's it, definitely on one. It came out in 1980 in the UK. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, that's one. I have a 79 in outside of the US, but it was released in 80 in the US, so I was yeah. able to count. It, I don't so. know about that one because that one had a director that was fired, and they had to go back and make the movie some more. Uh-huh. It came out in that's the UK in 1980. Yeah. What? What? Do, what day? Months? Huh? What day in nineteen? December uh, something. December seventh, nineteen forty-one. 
Man, I wish I knew what you guys were talking about. I know, me too. <laughs> I'm like, is it Raging Bull? Uh, it's it's <laughs> no, on our list, James. No. Is it on our list? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and it'll be on it, my 81 Zach, list. Zach, is your number seven? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, yeah. really great silence we have going yeah, on anyway, here. Anyway, 1980. Um, All right. I'll, well, I'll, where, I'll give you a break you since it's released in Australia on December 4th. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but Ryan, I mean, where, Ryan, where were you in 1980? A, uh, I was in my dad's ball sack, <laughs> just wiggling his way out. <laughs> um, I'm gonna be the one. I'm gonna make it. <laughs> I mean, if you ever have a doubt on what movie you should put on our film explosion <laughs> list, just go with your heart, man. Just go with your heart. If my dad ever makes out of Navy jail, I'm out of here. <laughs> I wonder if people who listen to the show say, oh, I remember that doubt joke from 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> from from a Nebcast episode. Yeah. 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 You have to be really deep into the lore of real nerds to get yes. the doubt yeah. joke. The children of men I'm not even that well. deep in the lore. Which, which if, you know, if, if you're locked up for coronavirus and you have nothing better to do, you can go listen to so, yeah, too um, many episodes. For those... Uh, Hundreds of thousands of people are concerned that we're not going to have a new Real Nerds episode. <laughs> <laughs> always, re- We always have an episode. If we have to Skype in, like Henry, uh, we'll do that. Uh, we are keeping a safe distance from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, in all seriousness, we're actually in four different corners of this house. Yeah. yeah. In all seriousness, no, the, the good news is, I mean, it sucks that you can't go to movie theaters. And uh, I realize my car has been parked at my house. For five days. I have not oh, yeah. left my house in five days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been working, but, you know, the... My it, gas bills going to be so low. It's I know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's so funny. You know, you think about how much I... Because usually on my days off or when Laura's studying and Kellen's at school, I'll drive down and see a movie. Yeah. And now I don't have any help. It, so. You know what's really sad is that, like, you know, I'm not spending money on, you know, the stuff you frivolous don't random things <laughs> yeah. or going to, you know grab food someplace that i don't need to or whatever mm-hmm. but i'm like well i want to spend money because like right now, i mean i'm still working so like i should spend money to try and keep the economy good but all i can think to do is buy blu-rays on amazon and i don't <laughs> think that's like that, me efficiently <laughs> helping the economy no, it, 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 do, like, it does it does you know why why because if we keep that going we keep that going and you got to buy them from warner archive specifically and then we can finally get daffy duck 101 I mean, geez, you gotta all buy porky pig 101 well, otherwise they're not gonna well, do it but well, here's the thing i'm probably also buying the blu-rays i would have bought anyway like, <laughs> i don't actually think i'm helping at all and i will give a special shout out to warner archive because they shared my uh jetson's blu-ray review oh, on their right. on their it's web page it's a good review it's a i like it um and you know they do have great stuff i listened to an interview with uh the guys who produce them and they are doing tex avery volume two and it'll have more cartoons and mm-hmm. special features because the first one sold sold so well was there any other announcement? um well, Pig 101 finally broke even <gasps> oh um, and they're putting popeye on hold because they're going to do the new tex avery but the popeyes have uh made the money too mm-hmm. so people want this stuff and if you have to go to manufacturing them on demand i'm totally for it yeah um and then we get stuff that i want you I know mean, like i mean technically they are mod but they are also made in a bulk it's kind of weird because like well, it's like they're small batch manufacturing yeah it's small batch yeah. one yeah. yeah but like well that's that's why it's important if you want those to pre-order them because then they know yeah yeah um and yeah yeah, no. and yeah, I mean, but I'll, that's but that's what's great about this show is we can always find something to watch. Oh yeah, I mean, oh, yeah we'll absolutely. find something. So there'll always be a new episode. It's your time to shine, Spencer Confidential, or whatever it was called, the new Mark Wahlberg oh, Netflix God, film. Yeah, Spencer Confidential. Yeah, I'll probably skip that one, but um, 
Uh, next week, we're all going to be watching the new Marky Mark film and reviewing the film of the year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, it's confidential. I don't know. My name is Spencer. Yeah, my name's Spencer. You want to you want to watch? Did you guys actually see it cuz you're quoting Wasn't it? Wasn't he already in a movie called Con- Oh no, Contraband. <laughs> Contra- it's all the same. Contraband. Yeah, he takes he he like he, oh, he, he oh, takes oh, a bunch of yeah. like, money to his chest. Yeah, cuz he's, he's, he's trying to That's I'm the poster. Sure I saw that's correct, yeah, I so. did too because he tries to save his brother who's like in jail or or like yeah. there's a threat or something. I saw it in a theater. It was an empty theater, mm-hmm. but I saw it in a theater. And yeah. I'm, hey. I'm really excited cuz James is here. James, this is your first yeah. show in like Two and a half months? It's my first, I think, since the last film explosion. Yeah. yeah. So excited to see you again. So yeah. four months? Wow. Well, like I said before, I actually haven't seen a movie since that film explosion. I was going to go see Mulan, but then the world ended. Yeah. So let me uh, ask you guys. And a- you're, you've been, gr- are you grounded? Like you can't go anywhere? Cause you travel a lot for your job. I used to since baby. I don't travel as much anymore. Mm. You know, like maybe. Oh, one, so you have a real reason, months. not just. Yeah. Because right, of right, coronavirus. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everyone is grounded. So, you know, that helps. Um, but no, mostly it's just like, I just haven't seen anything, you know, yeah. like, um, so, or if I do, I didn't, I don't see it until a couple weeks in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you haven't missed much. It no. sounds like it. No. Uh, well, I missed Onward, but they're bringing it to my house soon, so I'll be <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. yeah. Let me ask a question with everything that's been going on grocery store wise, like, how, how insane was it from the last time we recorded to oh, now? Oh, motherfucker. So, uh, you know. Like, Brooks went to get groceries one day, and it was, like, one of the first days where everything was kind of sold out. And she came back, and literally the only loaf of bread – we didn't need bread. But the only loaf of bread that was on the shelf was a loaf of dark pump pumpernickel, which she bought. Because hmm. uh, she was like, well, okay. Makes so good toast. I've been – I actually did. I had it as toast this morning. But I've been making sandwiches out of it for weeks, and this it's the part of coronavirus I've hated the most. It's <laughs> ruined every sandwich that I have had. I've got like three or four slices left, and then finally the apocalypse is over, and I can eat some whole wheat bread again. <laughs> yeah. Like, holy shit. Pumpernickel's not good. No, it's it's not bad for toast, but it, yeah. its flavor is it so strong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I would have to put mustard on my sandwich in order to taste anything <laughs> yeah, else, yeah, and that'd yeah. be gross. Isn't pumpernickel like the little loaf you get at like Outback with the butter though? No, no, that's honey wheat. Oh, uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> I know this, guys. Um, I used to work at Outback for about ten years, and um, that bread came in frozen. <laughs> really? Oh. Yeah, oh, I man. do like that bread. So if. We run out of bread at grocery stores. We should we should raid the freezer at the nearest Outback. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, I just heard the police officer that and their <laughs> that and their machine that makes the blooming onions. We've got to get that. Well, no, yeah. you go there and say, uh, you get a steak to go and say, and can I get six loaves of bread? I'm sorry. Anybody <laughs> over the age of sixty who was alive who was alive in the '90s has one of those blooming onion machines in their house. I don't. <laughs> uh, there is one in this house. God, I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bet. I bet. I'm gonna go up there and be like, "We have the blooming onion, and you didn't tell me." There's about <laughs> the like 15 of those machines in every Ark thrift store in the country. So, oh, your, your, I know. <laughs> your mom's using it as a flower pot. <laughs> yeah. She's like, "Why aren't these onions blooming?" Wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me that all the vases that are behind me are all just blooming onion yeah, machines? <laughs> yes. Yeah. They all. So, Henry, what's it like to be shelter in place? Um. Boring. Yeah. Um, mm. why, do, why don't you make just a stay at home? Why don't you, cooking a lot, watching a lot of movies. So not that different. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you use this time to make like a iPhone indie film of your sol- of your Listen, man, I already shot my thesis film. I'm done. Like, <laughs> I'm, good. So, I'm like, done with filmmaking. Been there. Done when, that. Uh, so when are you actually done with school, Henry? 
well, I mean, we've all shifted to class online, which means it's basically over. Um, <laughs> but, like, I graduate uh, in, like, May 15th, I think. Wow. So. Oh God. And then are you going to stay in the New York film scene, or are you going to head west? Yeah, I'm staying in New York for at least a year. Cool. Seeing how it goes. I may, I just finished putting together my whole, like, freelance editing station, so. There's also a good chance. If you're in New York and you want to hire a post-sound editor. Hey, uh, you have my number, or you at least have the real nerd's number, and then they can tra- tra- trace it to me. And so, yeah, <laughs> you're not my agent. I hope you're happy. Done. <laughs> hey, uh, congrats on your million views on Artery in Vain. Jesus Christ! Oh yeah, lovely my fr- freshman film officially hit a million views. That's awesome. That's crazy. Damn. Yeah. How, how many films so. have you made? Uh, uh, since going to film school, which are the ones you should watch. Um, <laughs> three, and the, and I'll be making my fourth one. Will be done in a couple months. So nice, cool. congrats! I made like a hundred of them. I can't even get like a hundred views. <laughs> well, Brad, you listen, man. The people that are watching my freshman watch. film are Indian people, and they all hate it. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> a million hate watches. That's awesome. Any idea how many comments I've gotten on that film saying I will go to hell, will burn in hell. I'm an evil son of a bitch. <clears throat> Constant comments I'm getting. It's great, but it's you know whatever. A million views. Yay! Yeah. So. Yeah, you're getting people to talk about you, and that's what matters. Controversial. That's true. A lot like, you know, Yui Bowl. So. <laughs> Henry is ten times more charming and dashing than Yui Bowl. <laughs> Anyways, if this is your no, first no, film explosion, as we get back on topic, um, we have our ten favorite films from 1980, and we will reveal each one. Uh, we also play the trailers for the first time these films have been announced on the lists, and then uh, there probably will be repeats. Uh, Brad has made a really cool Blu-ray um, that has a cool Jason hockey mask. Uh, fun fact, Jason is not wearing a hockey mask in the first Friday the 13th, but... but there's no vector art of Betsy relevant? Palmer's face. So. Yeah. Is that relevant to 1980 in some way? Uh, yes. Um, uh, maybe. I don't know if it's on anybody's list. And, um, yeah. So it's a really cool uh, menu, though. It is. Yeah, I like it a lot. Good job, Brad. The Thank the you. first The first poster for Friday the 13th is very iconic. Mm. By the, by the way, I want to say happy birthday, Roy, because it's the 35th anniversary of Part 5. <laughs> so, yeah, not really Jason. No. Spoiler alert. It's Roy. Roy the motion picture. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, In Friday 13th font and everything. Yeah. And this yeah. is how you know Brad's a fan, is the numbers are in red. Like Friday the 13th. Good job, Brad. Hell yeah. There's some other Easter eggs you'll find as we go through. That's why I love when you do this. Oh, man, it's Roman numerals for the, for the count. Oh, 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 the same way that the movies do, right? There you go. Like, well, part, since part, three. Since four or whatever, yeah. We technically, yeah. Four technically doesn't have a part on right. it. Yeah. Oh, okay. And neither does nine. But yeah, what a weird nomenclature for a movie, because like, right, it's Friday the 13th part. Like, you can't call it like, you know. Yeah, anyway. It already ends with a number. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Weird. And and Jason Goes to Hell doesn't have it, but it also doesn't have a lot of things. So it shows you how much I've ever thought about Friday the 13th. You still think that every one of them is the one on the boat. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is usually a Which boat is the best one. in them. Y- yeah, um, but not on the boat. <laughs> and well, so, there's also that one made by the porn guy. I know about that that's, one, that's, too. That's Roy the most Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, fair, so we'll say, you know... My number 10 film of 1980 is... And then you'll hear the trailer and see if you can guess the trailer, which is really cool. Brad mentioned this. is The trailers from the 80s uh, sell the movie a little differently. You know, they... They don't have the same tempo yeah. and, like, conventional... For, like, the trailers we get nowadays doesn't even have, like, a narrator most of the time. Mm-hmm. It's just close to the movie, and they all have the same energy. In the 80s, it's a free-for-all. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
There's going to be all kinds of weird pacing on these. And so. it's not like LaFontaine voice. This is like pre-LaFontaine, so you're going to hear No, something. he's in it. He's on the Friday 13th one. I know he is. It is? Oh, yeah. wow. Fun fact, too. While I was making the Blu-ray last night, um, I was watching all the trailers and proofing it, and then all of a sudden, one of the trailers, it started the movie, and I was like, this feels like it's the whole movie. <laughs> and then about five minutes went by, I was like, I think this is just the movie. <laughs> so someone put the whole movie on there, and I was able to download it for like eight gigs. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I gotta go back and fix this. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, uh, as fair warning, I'm probably gonna break the rule on a couple of mine for cool. reasons that will be clear, and I'll actually say the name of the movie before the trailer. Perfect. But you'll understand why when we get there. Hey, you know what? We can do whatever we want. This is our show. That's right. There are no rules. What are you going to do? Come tackle me? You'll get corona. With a lime? <laughs> um, Henry, you can't see it, but you're the first person on this film explosion. Oh, hey. So, um, Henry, okay. kick off film explosion 1980 for us. All right. Well, here's the thing. I agreed to be on this episode because I thought, hey, I'm quarantined. I have time to be on the podcast again. So I was like, great. Film explosion 1980. Let's do it. Then I went on Letterboxd and watched and looked at all the films I've seen from 1980, and I've seen 20. Uh, so my list isn't great, um, but uh, yeah, my number 10 is. Shoujo yo, ima kimi wa sono atsui daichi no ue de ai wo tsukamu. the secret from her all of these years. I believe I was doing it for her own sake. この夏サンリオが壮大なスケールでアフリカの大地に歌い上げる愛と野生のドラマアフリカ物語野生の愛に出会ったらきっと誰かを愛したくなる。So this is a tale of Africa, also known as Green Horizon in some distributions. Yeah. So this movie's awful. Um, no, but. Yeah, uh, what's fun about this movie, though, is a little brief history lesson. In 1978 or 79, I think, uh, James Stewart was in a film called A Tale of Last Year, some bullshit like that. Uh, and the film came out the same weekend as Star Wars, and it was critically panned, and the 
basically the critical consensus was, hey, James Stewart, you're fucking awful now. Don't do movies anymore. Aww. So James Stewart was like, that's cool, and he retired. A uh, <laughs> couple years later, uh, a Japanese man was like, I want to make a film in Africa. So he flew to Africa, started making a movie about this guy that just kind of wanders around and falls in love with another girl. Uh, and while he was making that, he saw this old dude that was just sitting like around Kenya and he thought, hey, that old dude looks like a good character. So he approached the old dude. He was like, hey, do you want to be in my movie? Uh, you look old enough to play this one character. And the guy was like, yeah, that's fine. That guy was James Stewart. Uh, the director didn't know that it was James Stewart. And James Stewart didn't know what the plot of the film was the entire time they were shooting it. Uh, but yeah, A Tale of Africa is a film about this fucking young dude who's walking around Africa and falls in love with this other girl uh, whose dad, I think, is James Stewart. Uh, whose credit is only old man. Uh, it's a problem. And is in it for only, like, I think, like, 20 to 30 minutes or something. Uh, it's awful. I mean, the cinematography is pretty good. It's basically an, a weird nature documentary for the most part. Like, just footage of animals really in Africa. awesome music. <laughs> you know, listen, I, I sent Brett all, the, all my trailers, and I watched all of them to make sure. That's the best trailer. <laughs> off the bat. I'm sorry, but that's the best trailer yeah, I'm going to give you. The best trailer I've so. ever seen. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but yeah, A Tale of Africa, Green Horizons, it's awful, but, um, it's the 10th best film I've seen from this year, and so... Nice. The trailer sold me. I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> Henry, you I think you can find it for about, free on YouTube, You and talked so. about this on the Infinity War episode, and I still need to see it, but that's, that's incredible. Now I need to see this movie. <laughs> All right. Zach, you're the next one. All right. My number 10 is the best film by this filmmaker this year. Pick him up or I'll plug you. Are you really the fastest guy in the world? Ain't nobody faster than Bronco Billy. You think you're faster than I am? Well, I wouldn't want to find that out, Sheriff. Why, aren't you Bronco Billy the fastest in the West? I could outdraw you any day in the week. Bronco Billy. You're nothing. The toughest hombre! Are you finished with your little speech? Yeah, I'm finished. I do not work for you, and if you ever raise your voice to me again, I will scratch out your eyes! Well, when did you feel it was time to take action? Well, it's always time to take action when there's danger. Tell them we're gonna rob a train. Okay, Billy. Rob a train! Bronco Billy, the best friend a man ever had. Bronco Billy. I love you, Bronco Billy. Don't you understand what Bronco Billy and the Wild West Show are all about? You can be anything you want. All you have to do is go out and become it. Bronco! 
So yeah, number 10 is Bronco Billy, the one of two films with Clint Eastwood in it this year, and I and it's the only one he directed, because um, the other one is Any Which Way You Can, and that film's garbage. So, <laughs> I um, think it's on a couple of people's lists who sent them to us. I, I respect their decision to like that movie, but the first <laughs> one is the superior Clint Eastwood with Clyde movie. Yeah. The second one has the Nazi villains from the first one suddenly becoming good guys. I don't get it. Anyway, Bronco Billy is a Clint Eastwood film about a man who starts a uh, a rodeo uh, kind of troupe uh, that travels across America, and he is able to put it together by the skin of his teeth. And what I love about it um, is that Clint made a movie kind of about the showmanship spirit and kind of like the idea of you know being like the last of a vaude- like a, a, a traveling circus of people, like in an age where that dies. And in the movie. It's represented how, like, his form of entertainment is not, you know, like, as appealing as it once was. Um, so there's a little bit of reflection in it. The trailer does not sell this movie very well because this the trailer is very jingoistic weirdness. I don't know. A horse did, like, a blink move and then that is not boink the, sound. Oh, so yeah, the, I'm just oh, old. But that ceiling is definitely the most jingoistic ceiling I've ever seen. I agree. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, the, but the movie itself is a comment. It has a bit of a commentary about... You know, people who go out there and try to put on a show and hitting every obstacle in the world. I think it's one of Clint's best performances as an actor. Hmm. Um, other than, I mean, I, my personal favorite is White Hunter Blackheart, but he, I think he's pretty fantastic in a film where he's asked, asked to be a little bit more vulnerable because there are moments when that character drops the Bronco Billy facade and you get to learn more about him. Um, I gave it like high recommendation when I did the Clint Eastwood marathon and, you know, I still haven't seen his new film and whatnot. And my, by the time I got the end of the Eastwood thing, I was a little bit tired of him and especially things that had come up. But, uh, this film is pretty fantastic and Sandra locks in it. You've got Jeffrey Lewis in it as well. And you've got Scatman Crothers playing like the main, like the main announcer for the show. So it's, it, I think it is a movie that is worth your time and it's got a good heart to it. So, um, and again, no disrespect to people who like any which way you can, but the first one's the superior monkey movie with, or ape movie with Clint Eastwood. I'm sorry. Any it's shit. Ape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All ape movies are automatically five star films in my mind. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's my number ten, James. Cool. Uh, so my number ten is so uh, when people talk about like superhero movies and especially like Batman in the eighties, of course they always talk about Batman eighty nine. Uh, but there is a movie from earlier in the um, in the decade, specifically in nineteen eighty, um, that I think absolutely qualifies as a Batman movie. Um, I haven't actually seen it. I think when it was originally made, it was titled Birds of Prey. Uh, but my number 10 is Harley Quinn. I know nothing about politics, Senator. But I do know about magic. And I know there are powers at work in the universe. To those higher powers, the dematerialization of a given target would be... child's play. A top politician disappears without trace. An accident? 
for assassination. Mommy! A dying Mommy. child recovers without reason. Miracle or fraud? Only the Harlequin knows the answer. In old Italian comedy, the Harlequin couldn't be seen by other characters, only by members of the audience. It's moved. The senator fears him. The woman loves him. The manipulator wants to destroy him. There is the edge. Only the wind separates you from the rocks. What do you feel? I think you push people into the deep end. The deep end is always with you. All you have to do is fall. Alice! In our own house, Alice, right? <laughs> Now, was that before or after he slept with you? I'll hold him. I'll hold him if I have to nail his hands to the wall. Harlequin is the ultimate paradox. Find him and he isn't there. Kill him and he will not die. He's the man with the power over mind and matter. Love and hate. Life and death. Harlequin. Is he the new messiah or a demon from another world? fuck <laughs> so that was the trailer for harlequin uh so as, as i was looking at 1980 and i i put together a list of like movies i'd actually seen from that year they they fell into two, two camp well they fell into like three camps uh movies that i have seen and that i really enjoy or enjoyed when i was younger uh and there were only a few of those um there were uh a few movies that like i've seen but don't terribly enjoy but everybody knows about that i was like well okay i could I could make a list, but half of them would be movies where I was just explaining why I don't actually care about this movie. Uh, or what I could do is put some movies on my list based solely on how awesome the poster is. Uh, so there's a few movies here at the bottom that I have not seen, but that look freaking amazing. And so the other night before I sent the, the list to Brad, I pulled this one up and I was like, this, this poster looks ridiculous. Let me at least watch the trailer and see if it would be a fun time for us to watch it together. <laughs> and I got maybe 20 seconds in, just till the bald kid spits blood. And I was laughing so hard, I turned it off and was like, yep, this is going gold. We are doing this. Uh, so, yeah, there's a, a handful of movies on my list. Just... Just never seen them, but maybe we should. But I'm disappointed because, like, I'm going to go watch this movie and then realize it should have been my number 10 because <laughs> it is awesome. <laughs> uh, it did get a 3.5 out of 5 on Blu-ray.com oh, with a 4.0 transfer. So you're, if you uh, get it, you're, it's well, not a are there Are there special features explaining why Broderick Crawford is in this movie? Uh, there is a commentary. It's Ooh. called a paycheck. Yeah, that's why yeah that is Good true. Good news, it's on Prime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this isn't the movie where the whole thing was on YouTube, is it? No. Okay. When when that one comes up, you gotta let us know. 
Uh, so yeah, that was uh, um, that was Harlequin. <laughs> Not seen. My but, number ten. But James is number ten. Love it. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> uh, so my number ten is a real movie that I've seen a few times. <laughs> um, and I would never say that this is a great movie. Um, it has some great ambiance to it, and um, it's shot well. But the premise is really goofy. Uh, my number ten is. Yes, <laughs> sweeping right out of the gate, Brian. <laughs> Such a dick. I like I like that. That was awesome. Good job, Brad. Thank you. John Carpenter's The Fog. This is KAB Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here, and let me be the first to wish Antonio Bay a happy birthday. We're one hundred years old today, and keep a watch out for that fog bank. Heading in from the east. One hundred years ago, between midnight and one, something unknown came out of the fog. Now it has returned. Oh, Jesus. One hundred years ago, between midnight and one, something unnatural came out of the fog. Now it has returned. ago between midnight and one something evil came out of the fog now it has returned who's there the fog antonio bay has a curse on it we're all cursed there's no water getting here but something awful cold then i think i'll go to vancouver now Where's the fog now? It should be right outside my door now. Oh, there's something different about this fog. Dan, stay away from the door! Someone listen to me! Get inside and lock your doors. Close your windows. There's something in the fog. from the fog. <laughs> from the creator of Halloween, the ultimate experience in terror and suspense. John Carpenter's The Fog, starring Adrian Barbeau, Jamie Lee Curtis, John Houseman, Janet Lee as Kathy Williams, and Hal Holbrook as Father Malone. The fog. What you can't see won't hurt you. It will kill you. Between midnight and one, it will find you. I didn't know I would sweep so early. You motherfucker. Yeah, man. <laughs> Finally, I get to pull one on, on Zach. I had it coming. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, the fog is okay. Um, ah, no. <laughs> uh, it's... A movie about ghost pirates and fog. Uh, yes, that sounds better than okay, and it's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're like, oh, this is really cool, and then at the end, they go to a church, and then they just go away. You're like, oh, this is this was happens in this movie. Yeah, do, do the pirates look like pirates or do they look like mummies? Uh, like they look 
like see, black figures that have like rotted hands. Yeah, you like, really don't see the, them too well. If in you it. saw them, if, they don't have colorful clo- like clothing and big hats. It's not pirates. No, it's not an episode of SpongeBob, James. It's the fog. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but yeah, in it, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Adrian Barbeau, Tom Atkins. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, Gently, gently. Um, How Holbrook. The the best part of this movie is if you get the Scream Factory Blu-ray, which is a collector's edition. Is there's a really awesome interview with Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched Jamie Lee Curtis on special features or when she does commentaries. She's awesome. She's incredible because she's really uh, candid. Mm-hmm. And in in this one, she. It's like maybe a 30 minute interview, something like that. And she talks about how John Carpenter broke up with his wife Deborah Hill, who helped is his producer partner and helped. Um, make Halloween and stuff. Yeah, and started dating Adrian Barbeau at the same time while they're making this movie. And they still oh. worked. And they were still working together. Yeah, up until and like Jamie Lee ah. talked about how <laughs> off-putting it was. And that was it's about ten minutes of the interview yeah. about how weird it was. And she and the cool thing about Jamie Lee is she just doesn't give a fuck. She'll tell you exactly how it is. Uh, I just recently watched um, Virus, and she said, and I remember reading a quote from her about it and she says yeah I've, I've been in a piece of shit have you seen virus uh-huh. and uh she's really funny uh but the movie's okay i mean it's directed really well it has great uh mood to it but mm-hmm. the story is blah cool yep that's right. why it's number 10 not number whatever one he picked i mean if not everybody had consensus number one then something's wrong with people in the world uh, yeah <laughs> anyways brad it's not on the list um, yeah, so 1980 is a really hard year to uh, make a top 10 list out of. So my number 10 is a movie that I watched two days ago. <laughs> Show up! Hey, Batman, come on! In a minute! It's time! raised in a centuries-old tradition. Jerry! Ah! Tutored in the ancient arts. (laughs) Preparing for a moment that would challenge even the wisest and most skilled of all his ancestors. You're ready for Texas. We are breaking bones over here! Jackie Chan is going to the big brawl. Behind you! I know. I'll be the last man standing. It's all over in that town in Texas. Now, from the makers of Enter the Dragon, comes the big brawl. Out of the East comes a new master of martial arts, Jackie Chan. He was up very well. You don't fight right. He fights far. We may have found somebody. I don't want that boy killed. I can take him. Kiss, Quan. 
It was a fight to the finish with just one rule. No rules at all. This is the Big Brawl. So yeah, that was the trailer for the Big Brawl in some places known as the Battle Creek Brawl. Um, it's a Jackie Chan movie. Cool. Uh, <laughs> it's not very good. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really more of a display of his athleticism. Hmm. So the fights aren't particularly you know, impressive. Um, but Jackie Chan, uh, in a familiar Jackie Chan movie uh, storyline, um, his relatives are running a convenience store that gets harassed by the local... <laughs> Mob, um, Rumble in the Bronx, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, and he's you know a badass and he's fearless, so he you know, he takes on the mob single handedly, and they get pissed off. And meanwhile, the main mob boss um, is trying to win this brawl contest in the middle of Texas uh, for some reason. Um, so eventually, he just recruits Jackie to uh, compete for him. And there's like a, a like a street like a level roller derby battle in the middle of the movie <laughs> where they're trying to like it's a it's a relay but you're not relaying the the baton to anybody you're just trying to carry it to the finish line um and it's through this the this is set in like the 1930s uh so there's always like old cars and then like they go through warehouses and skate over um jumps and things and i'm not sure what it has to do like getting to the big brawl but it sure impresses the mob guy um and so yeah a lot of this there's not like a his sign- I feel like a lot of the stuff was creative enough stunt wise, mm. uh, but they're just like endurance tests and uh, ex- displays of dexterity, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, and really, the, the, there's, there's only like two traditional uh, like fight battles at the in the middle and then the end the fight thing. Uh, once there's like a mob guy on the inside who is like um, a spy for the other mob group or whatever. Um, so he eventually turns on Jackie and, uh, obviously Jackie Chan gets the better of him, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. It's a movie I saw and qualified for the list. <laughs> there you go. Oh shit. I just noticed a Easter egg on your Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes to hell is the number nine and yep. it's not actually, it doesn't say number nine. You're just putting the Friday 13th names. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Cause oh. Jason X is the 10th. Look at you. Look you at you. Know. Yeah. I would say you're a real nerd. Clever girl. Anyways, cool. You're number nine, film Henry. All right. Well, you might have noticed a trend that none of us like these films. <laughs> That's continuing with number nine. Uh, my number nine. If you ever uh, wanted to see a car single-handedly take down the cartel, yes. Uh. Here's your film. Here comes a brand new Herbie. It's dynamite. The love bug goes south of the border. The hard way. In Disney's all-new Herbie Goes Bananas. It's Herbie with all-new styling. I've never seen anything like it. All-new performance. (laughs) Running circles around the competition. Taking on a gang of gold thieves. 700 miles on a banana boat with wheels. I think he's trying to chew it off. Get him! They're taking the gold! Cloris Leachman. 
he wants to tell us something. It's a car woman, not Lassie. Harvey Corman. And Disney's top banana, Herbie. A car that drives everyone bananas. Herbie goes bananas. So, to answer everyone's question, Herbie has a mind of his own. It's not a ghost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Herbie goes bananas. That's my number nine film. Fun fact this movie's awful. Um, <laughs> uh, the movie's about Herbie, and he's just going bananas, guys. Uh, he disrupts an entire. Uh, if I remember correctly, I saw it a little bit ago, but if I remember correctly, it's about Herbie goes to Mexico. And then takes down, I think it's like a ring of like, like, just like fraud. Like he just catches people doing fraud and then he like <laughs> stops them. Yeah. With his magical car powers. Well, and it's, uh, it's, it's people sneaking fake bananas into the U.S. and selling them on the black market, right? That's why bananas? Yes. Well, it's sure. a banana fraud. I saw it four years ago. So, okay. um, but according to Letterboxd, it's my ninth favorite film of this year. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, if you ever want to watch Herbie take down the cartel, who apparently operate in bananas now, <laughs> there's your film. Herbie Goes Bananas. It's the ninth best film of 2018. I remember watching that on the Disney Channel. Yeah. The, okay, so the trick of that movie is just that because there's no engine in the front, they, they put a small person driving the car in the yeah. front. With a, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I just want yeah. to make sure. Okay, got C- it. Considering, like, the... the uh, they're harmless, so they're fun, but this is the worst of them. Yeah, well, well we're saying, yeah, yeah. it's fine. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, it's it's fine. fine. We're all fine. Yeah. Um, is Fred <laughs> Murray still in it? I don't think they've eaten Fuck if I know. Oh, oh, right. Since the first one? Mm. Henry, is Fred McMurray in it? Fuck if I know. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe no, because I think it's mainly uh, Corman and Leach, uh, Cor- Corman and uh, Leachman's uh, movie. So, Gotcha. Yeah. Zach? All right. My number nine is my foreign film selection. Tomorrow in a world gone mad. (laughs) The only law will be a renegade squad of suicidal cops. He's my prisoner, and he's not walking out that door. And the open road will be controlled by gangs of glory roaders. Max is a cop, one of the best. Where does they're out to get you? Scoot jockeys? Yeah, no man trash. Mm. Well, I'll add it to my thread collection. You made the news again. Charges relating to the slaying of a main force patrol officer. Who was he? In a road blockade just another glory roader, I guess. Toe Cutter is a glory roader, one of the most sadistic. Anything I say, anything you say, what a wonderful philosophy you have. Take him away. <gasps> I want my baby. You've not got a sense of humor. Please don't hurt my baby. You've got a pretty face, though. Both want the other dead. But only one can have his way. Brandon! Brandon! 
Mad Max. You don't want to make Max mad. Because when Max gets mad, he gets even. American International presents Mad Max, the maximum force of the future. Hey, remember, this is an AIP film, guys. It's not even a Warner Brothers thing. Um, so yeah, my number nine is Mad Max, and the re- one of the reasons it can be on here is because it didn't get to our shores until 1980 in February, so it counts. Gotcha. Um, uh, but Mad Max, first entry in the now, you know, uh, fandom-ridden series of Mad Max movies, and rightfully so. I, you know, I, I've never, I, when I first saw this film, it wasn't as intriguing to me, obviously, as a Road Warrior or even a Thunderdome uh, was. Pri- this is all prior to Fury Road coming out, like yeah. my knowledge for it. But over the last year and change, I've become a lot more enamored with the first one, primarily on a filmmaking level. Um, Listening to Miller talk about how they made that movie in Australia with the budget that they had. There's a two-hour and 36-minute documentary um, on the making of this film that's attached to some copies of Mad Max, um, especially if you've got that like big collection, the uh, high-octane one. Um, And so – and the movie itself – I think is a good like laying the groundwork of where the world's gonna go. Like in like it, the a great line for it is like it like a few years from now. Like right, it's just right. th- so it's just setting up what. What's amazing is that because of the way they set it up, is how film by film the world gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And then, but there this is the logical starting point. Um, and I mean. You know, I know Gibson's not the most popular guy in the world, but he's good in the movie. Um, uh, I can never remember his name, but he plays Toe Cutter, and he would end up playing a Morton Joe in Fury Road, but he's fantastic in this movie. Uh, the practical effects are fan- are just wonderful. Um, I think it's Hugh Keysburn. Yeah, Hugh Keysburn. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I think Miller, like, like, right off the bat, like, with his, you know, debut feature is able to show what he's capable of as a filmmaker. He's one of those filmmakers that like over the last couple of years, I've started becoming more enamored with in terms of what he's able to accomplish. Like whether it's this or even a happy feat, like, I mean, he's not like, you know, he's, he's trying different things and ex- expanding his territory in interesting ways. So it's a weird movie when you go back to, it cause it's like, it's very different from the other movies. And there's like a sad version of our universe where like, Mad Max sequels were more like Mad Max and less like Fury or less like Road Warrior, you know. Right. Like a sequel to this movie could have been just like more driving on highways. Yeah, you know. And if you watch um, the documentary on the Road Warrior, um, they talk about how like you know the, part of what changes the course of it is reading more into Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey arc and then that's what really kind of kicks it into gear the first mad max is very much an exploitation film if you really want to class categorize it correctly mad max is closer to a death proof than it is to a a fury road very much so but i think that the the story itself and max as a character falls in the same lines that you do see later down the line but it's obviously a very rough version of it yeah so um but yeah, number nine, Mad Max. And I've had a lot of fun rewatching it. So. Yeah, it's also interesting because he he becomes like a 
a pale writer kind of character where mm-hmm. like he he doesn't have a background where is he coming from but this movie like he's got a story and his his wife and kids get like raped and murdered and you're like it's just a regular revenge movie fun like, fun, fun fact pale writer is a good movie mad max is better than pale writer oh no yeah i'm just saying like <laughs> it's that same sort of like man with no name kind of character yeah yeah, yeah 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 but so. that's not actually what mad max is so no, no. interesting he's cool. got a name right. it's max and you don't want to make him mad according to this trailer yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, never yeah, but yeah, cool. number nine. Sorry, you just filled me with doubt when I saw that name because I was like, wow, <laughs> ah. "How does this happen?" Yeah, um, bring it, it back. It's me. Great. Okay. Cool. Um, so, um, my number nine. Um, let me just double check. Yeah, uh, my number nine movie is a film by uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky uh, about a man <laughs> who captures people in his house and turns them into walruses. Les Indes au début de ce siècle. Les Maharajas, alliés complaisants de l'Empire britannique et leurs richesses. Morrison, le colon, qui règne sur plusieurs milliers d'hectares. Tu vois le petit éléphant qui est là Il est à toi. Son maout l'a appelé Ganesh. Mais nous, nous sommes anglais et nous l'avons appelé Oh, ça m'a dit. Sa fille. Élise, ne touche pas à cet indien. Kearns, un aventurier. Vous et votre troupeau avez une solide réputation. Un chasseur. On m'a dit aussi que vous avez un éléphant très exceptionnel. Oui, Tosk. Comment un Américain devient-il chasseur d'éléphants en Inde Matt Et Tusk, objet de la convoitise de tous. Qu'est-ce que cette bête peut valoir Une fortune pour certaines personnes, patron. Tu crois Et pour qui Le Maharaja de Mysore. Tusk, c'est la colère. Tusk, c'est l'humour. C'est la force. C'est la vengeance. Il est devenu dangereux. C'est mon devoir de le Allez, on
Tas, un film d'Alexandro Jodorowsky. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, James. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's a movie by Alejandro Jodorowsky, uh, you know, of du- most famous for the movie he wasn't able to make, Dune. Uh, uh, ki- El kidding. Topo. Yeah. Um, no, but, he is uh, most famous for not making Dune. I'm the pretentious <laughs> one here. I will fully say he is I, most I famous for not making Dune. <laughs> um, he. Uh, oh, anyway, this is a movie about a woman who falls in love with uh, an elephant. I guess <laughs> what I found it <laughs> what they say on the on the summary. I haven't seen this movie, so what, I don't know. What I found interesting watching that trailer is how the font for Tusk in certain spaces mm-hmm. looks just like the font for the posters to Tusk by Kevin Smith. Uh-huh, yeah, that's strange. Just saying, just saying. Al- you know. Also, Ryan's the only one who understands this trailer because he speaks the language it's in. Right. So, Ryan, is this movie gonna be any good? <laughs> uh, well, it's about people hunting and trapping elephants and one elephant decides he's not going to take it anymore that's tusk so it's like rise yeah. of the planet of the apes but um, not but i think that the, i mean the trailer did do a good job at conveying what the film was about oh good <laughs> yeah that's good so it's oh, basically wonderful. king kong but with an elephant sure oh, all right okay. i'm good with that um i will say i've seen the film like a long time ago because i was really obsessed with jodorowsky at one point in my life uh, and this film is surprisingly really boring Um, it's horribly edited and you would think that this film should be exciting because obviously or at least somewhat fun but here's the thing Jodorowsky's awful at making movies and so this movie is super poorly edited and just not fun at all because the pacing's just so like fucking can we get can we get to the fucking elephant yet come on let's go I don't fucking no not you the elephant let's go so like trailer great concept fantastic Movie, nah. Skip it. So I want you to do a series on Yodorowsky called No, Not You, The Elephant. <laughs> hey, you know, Henry, this is my number nine. I don't need you critiquing my choices. <laughs> you know what? You know what? You're right. You, um, did, you didn't critique Herb, Herbie Goes Bananas. I got to say, it's a great movie. You know, you're right. So uh, Anyway, that was my number nine. Uh, my number nine is also not a good movie, but it's a fun... <laughs> It's a really fun movie to watch, and it's got a second life recently because it's so ridiculous. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. I like to play with things a while before annihilation. Pathetic Earthlings! Who can save you now? Ah! Strange object imaged in the Imperial Vortex. Ah! Remove the Earth Woman. Prepare her for our pleasure.
uh, yeah, if you couldn't tell because of the Queen song, it's Flash Gordon. Um, it got a second life because of Ted. I guess Sam Jones kind of did. Uh, it's it's kind of a silly movie, but it's one of those movies that's yeah. really silly, but it's kind of fun to watch because it doesn't really make too much sense and the dialogue is really crappy. But it's it's one of those movies I could always watch and have fun with. It's it's a it, it's going for that serial vibe and it hits yeah. it pretty well. Um, I saw it once prior to the Ted thing because it was just one of those cult films that gets passed around. I don't think I've watched it since, but. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't bad. No, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad movie. It's just not good. It's one of those funny, uh, like post Star Wars. I yeah, mean, I I take it as a post Star Wars kind of not cash grab, but you know, kind of. No, thing I know what you like, mean. They're like, oh, hey, we got to make movies like this, and we have this property. Let's make one. But you can tell. I mean, you can like, tell they put some money into it, right? And it's it's so. I think because it's so weird. Like like a lot of them, like a like a uh, like a black hole. Just feel like this, you know, out of the can sort of sci-fi movie. Yeah. It's just kind of shitty. And like because this one's so weird, like it, it's more fun. Yeah, like, and, you yeah. know, because they have you know stupid things where he says, you know, I play for the New York Jets. Right. I guess that makes him a superhero, and it's <laughs> that's fine. I mean, it, Sam Jones is pretty good in it for what he's asked to do, and yeah, well, every, it, it's fun. Well, everybody knows Tom Brady once saved the universe out in space. Nobody talks about it, but we know <laughs> it happened. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like it, everybody's having fun in it, and the Queen soundtrack is badass. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, and it's also kind of like a post Superman thing too, where it's just like, well, let's take a comic strip and make it into a movie. Yeah, because they weren't even thinking comic books; they were thinking comic strips. Because yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. That that movie exists. It's fun. Yeah. It's a thing. Yep. Glad I made somebody's list. Brad? Uh, my number nine is another movie I've seen. <laughs> in this typical town, in this comfortable home, three ordinary people are about to live an extraordinary story. It's starting all over again. The lying, the covering up, the disappearing for hours. I will not stand for it. I can't stand it. I really can't. Yeah, psychiatrists are here. They all believe in dreams. I do believe in dreams. Only sometimes I want to know what's happening when you're awake. I don't want to see any doctors or counselors. This is my family. But if we have problems, then we'll solve those problems in the privacy of our own home. I knew something was wrong even before he tried to kill himself. I think it is a very private matter. You never came to the hospital. Now, How do you Conrad, know about the your hospital? Your mother did come to the hospital, Conrad, and you know that. I just don't know how to deal with it anymore. Why are you hassling me? Huh? Why are you trying to make me mad? Why are you mad? No! He provokes people. I would never have let him put electricity in my head. You blame me for the whole thing. Can't you see anything except in terms of how it affects you? I miss it sometimes. The hospital. <gasps> That was a hospital. This is the real world. Did it hurt? Never really talked about. How long are you gonna punish yourself? When are you gonna quit? I loved him. What in hell has happened? That she hates me. Can't you see that? Mothers don't hate their sons. I mean, there's someone besides your mother. You gotta forget. Better make sure that your kids are good and safe. And then you come to me and tell me how to be happy. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Just do one wrong thing. And what was the one wrong thing you did? Donald Sutherland, Mary Tyler Moore, Judd Hirsch, Timothy Hutton, in an extraordinary story of ordinary people.
that uh, trailer is like huge whiplash from all the trailers we've seen. <laughs> uh, but hate, Mary hate, Tyler Moore's amazing in that film. I know. I hate Mary Tyler Moore's hair, though. Because even there, I'm like, man, she's really pretty. Except for that perm. <laughs> uh, James, we don't focus on women's physical appearance anymore. We, we, we focus on their, oh, my their brains. I, she's probably really smart, too. I don't know. <laughs> Uh yeah, so <laughs> Ordinary People is a movie about a family whose one of their sons dies and then they all have to deal with the repercussions of it. Mm-hmm. Robert yep. Redford, director. Yep. 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 And it's really dramatic. It is. It's a, it's <laughs> a good movie. It, it is a good movie. It's not my it's not on my list, but yeah. um Yep, it's it's there. Yep. And it's like I said, that's a huge whiplash from all the movies we've <laughs> already covered. <laughs> oh, yeah. a serious actual movie (laughs) it's it's a movie that i had to grow to appreciate over time because the only thing i like when i first saw it the only thing i knew about it really was like other than like it beating raging bull was just kind of like oh it's just some drama by robert redford but over the years i've grown to appreciate it a lot more Mm. it's a very subtle film but Mm. you know it does it does its job correctly so and more is great in the movie yep yep henry uh, my number eight and number seven, you can really like switch back and forth a lot. Uh, but yeah, uh, my number eight is a film that I would be surprised if it showed up on any of y'all's lists. But I thought it was fun enough. You know who I am. I know who you are. I know what you're thinking. You know what I'm thinking. You want to be here. You want to be with me. His name is Julian Kay. Was it what you expected? His business is pleasure. Hello, Judy. You're a very sexy lady. Very good looking woman. You can like me. You can tell. We have a lot of fun. He is the American Gigolo. Hello, girls. How about you? How do you get pleasure? How do you do it, Julian? How do you seduce all these women? Please think you're involved in a murder in Palm Springs a week ago. I'm being framed by somebody. Don't know. You've been identified, Julian. I am in deep trouble. I think you're guilty of sin. Richard Gere, Lauren Hutton, American Gigolo. So, yeah. Uh, my number this one is American Gigolo. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, for for whatever reason, growing <laughs> up, I always assumed this was considered a classic in American cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know why. I always assumed this was like considered one of the greats of American cinema. So when I watched it, I was like, what the fuck? Because it's not that great. It's just kind of fun. Like, it's about Richard Gere. He plays uh, a prostitute. 
Uh, and he's going around doing prostitute things. Is he a prostitute with a heart of gold? he gets wrapped up in some criminal things uh-huh. where people think he's a murderer. What? And it gets a little weird. And then, yeah, it's that. Um, <laughs> but, um, it's entirely watchable. No, it's very well. It's fine. It's It's just that, like... There's a reason it's number eight and not number two. <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, yeah, if you... I mean, here's the thing. There's one scene in this film. Richard Gere is basically wearing a thong and is doing gymnastics. Brave. Brave performance. <laughs> but that doesn't Literally. make up for the fact that it's not great. Plain and simple. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a lo- it can be fun. It's not a lot of fun. But if you're just like, hey... I'm going to, like, I don't know, drink some tequila and watch Richard Gere be a prostitute that might have murdered someone. Not the worst night. I mean, you're in quarantine. You could do worse. And so, yeah. And that's how the cult of the 80s was born. <laughs> yeah. It's also, like, this was, like, before all, like, like erotic thrillers became a huge deal. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, like, it kind of started this trend, or at least was one of the very early pioneers of that trend. And so, mm-hmm. you know, good on you, Richard Gere, for pulling your dick out and being thrilling. <laughs> Henry, how old how old were you when you saw American Gigolo? I was nineteen. Calm down. Oh, okay. Because you said you grew yeah. up. Yeah, he's like growing up. I thought this movie. <laughs> no, I grew up. I knew of this film when I was like ten for I some maybe... reason. And yeah. then I just grew up. Always thought like, oh, that's a classic film. I should watch that at some point. And then when I was nineteen, I was like, time to finally watch this classic, great American classic, American Gigolo. And then I did, and I was like, what? That's it weird. Oh well. And so. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I thought maybe this was your like Crocodile Dundee, where growing up as an eight year old no. you were like, oh man, that's not a knife. <laughs> no, I have I have other fucked up films that are that. So. <laughs> cool. Hey, right, well, fun. Zach. Okay. Um, my number eight is one of two Brooks Films productions on my list this year. Once upon a time, there was a little boy who loved to eat. And so he grew up to be a big boy who loved to eat. Yeah, Dom DiNapoli loved to eat. Now Dom's sister Antoinette thought he should stop eating so much. I made an appointment for you with Dr. Schwartzman. Dr. who? Dr. Schwartzman, the diet doctor. So when Dom went on a diet... Royal chicken and kale and non-fat milk for me. She was very happy. But when he didn't, she was very unhappy. Son of a bitch! Now, Dom's brother Frankie thought he should go on a diet too. What makes you think there's even one drop? One drop of honey left! So Dominic tried not to eat. Do not give me these keys, no matter what. And his brother was very happy. But it was no use. Dom DiNapoli, and he really loved to eat. And so he ate, and ate, and ate, and then he ate some more. And then one day, he met Lydia. And love became his steady diet. Lydia. Lydia. My name is Dom. Dom DeLuise and Bancroft, Candy Azara and Ron Carey in Fatso from 20th Century Fox. 
number eight is fatso um full disclosure this movie does not work under modern context whatsoever um well okay so the story of the film is uh dom de louise plays a guy named dom uh whose cousin um who overweight cousin passes away of a heart attack and so his sister in, uh insists that he go on a diet um and the film basically covers uh obesity by way of uh an addiction allegory um, but the film was a flop when it came out. And I think that over the years when I've watched it, the reason why is because this is ultimately a dark comedy that's towing the line between humor and drama. There are a lot of serious moments in this film that are also incredibly hilarious at the same point because they're tapping into the humorous side of going through addiction while also touching on the sincerity of it. So it's a very sincere film while still being, um, a kind of a romp. It's kind of weird to say, but I think this is one of Dom DeLuise's best performances in a movie. Um, I think Bancroft wrote a really good script and directed the movie very beautifully amidst the fact that it's balancing a lot of tones. Like I'm not going to compare this to a little miss sunshine, but what middle miss sunshine does with its darker humor in mixes with the heart that it has is very similar to what this film can do. Um, and Ron Carey, who's um, a stable in the Mel Brooks canon, uh, gives a very sincere performance as Dom's brother. I think Anne Bancroft gives one of her finest performances in this film as uh, Dom's sister. So it, it, there's a, it's just a, it, it's a good film all around. I think if you watch it from a modern context, you have to take it, take it for what it is, um, and. It, it has a heart to it that I think is ultimately worth it. it it's oh. a it's a film that I've talked about before on this show as like a nobody watch this but you should watch it and shout select put it out there and um you know I I've found it more relatable over the years but like it's one of those films one of many films that Mel Brooks spearheaded financially through his production company but did not put his name on so that people wouldn't be distracted by his name being attached to it um, and I think it's one of the one of the many amazing things about Mel Brooks is that he did stuff like this and he gave Anne Bancroft a, a, a chance to direct something and get it out to the atmosphere, which is something that, you know, now we're seeing blossom for other female fem- filmmakers to be able to do. So, but yeah, my number eight, Fatso. Wonderful film. You can get it on Shot Select right now. Cool. James. <laughs> it's weird to hear somebody talk about a movie in a positive way. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, my number eight, right? Yeah. Yeah, screen says so. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my number eight, uh, when I was a kid, I was a big fan. Like, we would go back to Blockbuster multiple times and rent um, the movie Sidekicks, which is a movie about a kid who imagines himself hanging out with Chuck Norris a lot. Uh, this is not that movie. <laughs> of course not. No one will admit they still exist. Does Efficient killers who work in silence, secrecy, darkness unholy masters of terror by magic the man he once called brother is now his deadly enemy he must find the strength to become everything he hates wanted you because you could succeed. I need your help. The professional who wants targets. If you saw ninjas, 
You're seeing ghosts. Neris, who wants revenge. I want to know who they are. I know who they are. Everybody wants something from him. A prisoner of his own destiny. He will find freedom only one way. I love the last boom at the end. Uh, yeah, I've seen this movie. Uh, oh, neither have I. But, oh. uh, you know, but I don't know. Because what you got doing, Chuck yeah. Norris on it, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, that was my number eight. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Lee, Lee Marvin calls ninjas ghosts. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I was sold with, uh, with ninjas. <laughs> yes. Black art ninjas. Yeah, right. They're, they're efficient mean, killers. Yeah, they're not just normal ninjas. <laughs> they slowly climb up brick walls <laughs> and have magic. <laughs> oh man, Ryan. Uh, yeah, I've seen my number eight, and I actually think it's really fun. <laughs> it's another horror film, but it's kind of a black comedy, and it's really bizarre. Mm. But it's actually really fun to watch. You may never again spend a night away from home. After you spend a night with Ida and Vincent. Ida will show you the way. You want us to uh, register? No, that won't be necessary. Terrifying nightmare could never prepare you for what happens to the guest. Vincent, you think in the years to come people will appreciate us for what we're doing here? I have a surprise for you. Oh, goody, I love surprises. One after another they come.
motel hell. No one will be admitted after the guests check in. But James, it is Motel Hello, but the O isn't working on the neon, so it's Motel Hell. I see. I love the uh, cover that Scream Factory put out with the pig with the chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Motel Hell is a not really it's, that portrays it as a super dark horror film. It's not. It's not at all. It's more <laughs> of a black comedy with horror elements in it. Basically, the those two old people uh, <laughs> kill people. Yeah. yeah, kill people. And then make them into smoked meats. Oh, okay. <laughs> so like a so like a Texas chainsaw. Yeah, it's like thing. Texas chainsaw. But massacre. the but the trick on this one is that they have a garden. Yes, a secret garden. <laughs> yes, and I don't want to reveal what's in their secret garden, but Fairies? it's dead people oh. that aren't dead. They plant the people in their garden. So it's zombies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first, they cut out the tongues of the people, or no, they cut out their vocal cords. The, yeah, so, so that sorry. they can't like. So they and go then, like. Uh, yeah, so and then they plant them in their garden, and then when they're ready to be ground up into meat and made into smoke st- s- beef sticks, that's this what you get. Terrible plan. <laughs> <laughs> but because did you see the traps on the road? They're going to lose all the fat off their body while they're dying in the ground. No, because they feed them. That's oh, the thing. They overfeed oh, them with yeah. like. Now, I don't remember what that was. What they feed them exactly with? <laughs> okay, but, like, so they're, they're pumping them up so yeah. that way when they make them into sausage, it'll be good sausage. Okay, yeah. all right, this is a great plan. Yeah, and then at one point. One of them wears a pig on his head and has a chainsaw. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll never forget <laughs> it. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's actually a pretty fun movie. Yeah. Uh, they said the the trailer portrays it as a super dark, horrific film, and it's really not at all. Well, yeah. I think it's how you would have had to sell it, like at that point, like with the slasher craze as it was, like it would yeah. have been the best way to do it, because like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is hilarious, but it's not sold as a comedy. Um, it's more sold as a straightforward horror film, but it's kind of both. So yep. I don't. I'm not a big fan of Motel Hell, but I don't hate it. So yeah, like, yeah. that Scream Factory uh, Blu-ray is it's, amazing, though. It's number eight. It's in number 19, eight, nineteen eighty. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, my bottom like six are just really, uh, you know, they're yeah. there. Yeah, I, I'm, with, I'm with you. <laughs> I love the guy who plays uh, uh, the guy who plays Vincent, the gal playing Ida. They're yeah. terrific. No, I mean, movie. it's a fun movie. Yeah, Brad. Uh, my number eight is we've moved on from movies that I've just seen to movies that are I've seen and are also okay. <laughs> <laughs> not that ordinary people's not okay, but uh, I, I'm just kind of like this is not a good movie number eight, but it's also weirdly like creative uh, for what it is. Um, my number eight is. What am I? I'm Papa, the sailor. And I am what I am, what I am, and I am what I am, and that's all that I am, cause I am what I am. Uh, you got it? I think so, yeah. And I've got a lot of muscle, and I only got one eye, and I never hurt nobody's, and I'll never tell a lie. Top to me bottom, from the bottoms to me top. That's the way it is, to the day that I drop. I am what I am, but I 
I must trust only baby. You're a baby. It says here, right there, right. Robin Williams. <laughs> Shelley Duvall. In Popeye. I said fui, and I mean fui. Fui. Yeah, Robert Altman's. <laughs> like that moment was your review. Huh. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like not like a fun watch, uh, but it's it's strangely impressive for yeah, like it's, a, I say it's a harmless a movie before CGI, and um, it's also a musical, mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah. is interesting. So um, yeah, it's I just think it's really creative. Like yeah. I said, the fact. I, I, I would like to know if it's intentional if the sound is slightly off dubbed because it, it just feels more like you are watching the cartoon because of that. Mm-hmm. Well, that could be a creative choice that Altman did. I'm, yeah. I'm not too deep into it, but so um, it's surprisingly earnest of a movie too. Like it, it really is trying to be that cartoon. So. It almost made my list, but Herbie Goes Bananas is just too good. <laughs> so I'll have to watch and find out. <laughs> Fixing to find out. Yeah. Henry, number seven? Hello. Um, my number seven. Uh, have you ever watched uh, Saturday Night Fever and thought, man, this would be great if the main character wasn't such a racist? Oh, God. <laughs> well, I have this film for you to watch instead. Damn it, Henry. Girlfriends, I'm going. Got myself a cowboy. See y'all later. Oh, you. Who's that? My wife. She'd ever crumble and 
Travolta, Urban Cowboy. My number seven film is Urban Cowboy. Um, it's okay. Um, I recently watched all of John Travolta's filmography. Um, <laughs> And this was part of that. Um, and uh, it was interesting because I watched Saturday Night Fever for the first time. And I was like, really? This film is the good one? Because <laughs> the main, John Travolta's character, there's like one scene where he says basically every racial slur I've ever heard in like two sentences. Uh, See, I haven't and seen I was it like, so Boy, long, it's really remember. hard to like this character <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, and then I watched this film, which is basically the same plot. But, like, he's a lot less racist. Um, and so, yeah, if you uh, swap disco with, like, square dancing, <laughs> it's basically the same film. And he, he tr- in John Travolta, this is, like, one of John Travolta's earliest films. And you can see that he's really trying in it. And I can applaud that. Good job, John Travolta. You're trying. And I appreciate that. Thanks for giving a shit. Um, but, yeah, Urban Cowboy. Uh, another one of those films that I always assumed was like a big deal film, uh, and then I watched and I was like, "Fuck it, I guess not." And so, <laughs> but yeah, Urban Cowboy, it's okay. I would check. I mean, if you're into John Travolta and you're into country music and square dancing, there are worse ways to spend a night. And so, I am into John Travolta. Well, I, I have some like more sexy films I can recommend to you if you're really into <laughs> Perfect. it. Cool. Zach, are you all right? Yeah, I drank my water wrong. Are you Are you sure? Yes, I'm fine. Right. Yes, I'm, I drank my water down the wrong way. Um, so my number seven um, is a movie actually that Ryan got me into. Yeah. Um, it also might be a sweep for him, so I apologize in advance. Within this old house live two residents. One of them is John Russell, composer, professor. The other has been dead for over 70 years. Claire, I'd like to talk to you about the house. Did you die in this house? How did you die? Whatever it is, it's trying desperately to communicate. What is it in that house, Claire? What is it doing? Why is it trying to reach me? It's a hand. Right there. Hold on. Senator. 
John Rustin. I'm living in your house. Senator, look. Look, I want to oh, show him that. You've got something of the senator's. He wants it back. So my number uh, seven is The Changeling. Um, this is a movie that Ryan um, introduced me to, I think, way back at the beginning of the of me being on the show. Um, because when I heard the words George, George C. Scott and horror movie, I thought, no way. But mm-hmm. way. Um, it tells the story of um, uh, George C. Scott plays a, a, a composer who's lost his wife and child in a terrible uh, snowball fight that went awry. Um, and, uh, is there a pebble in the snowball? No, um, they're pla- they're having a snowball fight in the snow out on the road, and then a truck runs into his wife and kid. It's sad. Well, that just seems irresponsible. <laughs> I agree. When I rewatched the film this week, I was just like, they shouldn't be in the road. Yeah, <laughs> like, wasn't, wasn't the best idea. Um, well, I think it's well, the truck slides off the road or something, and it's what caused the collision. But, um, but anyway, so he's trying to get over it. So he, uh. Accepts a new teaching job and rents a house from a historical society. It turns out that house is haunted. And over the course of him trying to figure out why the house is haunted, he's also coming to terms with his own trauma and getting over his wife and child's death. Um, the seance scene in this movie is incredible. And I think it's one of the more creative ones that ends up inspiring stuff like The Conjuring or even the Insidious movies mm-hmm. where you've got some kind of visual influence going on there and it's a it's a visually striking movie in terms of a haunted house movie from the 80s uh specifically from this year like i like the shining but i don't like it as much as i liked watching this one and re-watching it since ryan recommended it so um and i think the cinematography is pretty fantastic for its for its time like it's not it's not too much but it's not like skimping out on anything it's like very it's ambitious for what it's doing and i think scott gives a great performance in it like it's I don't love Patton so much as other people. I like this kind of George C. Scott where he's actually challenged to do something different than what you would expect him to do. So, so yeah, that's my number seven, The Changeling. It, it shows up later on my list. It's a good movie. Yeah. And I'll I, wait and I, number seven and it shows up on, on someone's list later. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Holy shit. Wow. Oh, my gosh. This is a phenomenon. Yeah. It is. I'm sorry. It's a pattern. Wow. It's no longer a coincidence. Sheesh. Yeah. Interesting. You're going to, like, tie different strings together on a cork yes. board? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's we're actually gonna, not going to... It we're won't be that many Sylvia strings. <laughs> yeah. I've been watching It's Always Sunny lately. I love that <laughs> show. You should watch the Apple show that he made that Rob McElhart. Is it good? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. Hmm. Um, James. Cool. My number seven. Uh, my number seven is a film I have seen. We've made <gasps> it. We've Ooh. made it. <laughs> Took a while. Okay. <laughs> I don't like this movie, and I don't like the character this movie is about. But this movie is a sequel 
to a film with one of the greatest pieces of theme music ever written. Superman 2. The adventure continues with the three villains from Krypton. Each one with the same powers as Superman. Each one dedicated to violence against mankind. Think of it. Three supervillains. Or four if you count him twice. The adventure continues in Paris with Lois Lane. I believe this is your floor. And the romance continues. The adventure continues in Washington. The world is on the brink of destruction. Superman, can you hear me? And Metropolis is in ruins. Is there no one on this planet to even challenge me? Superman! General, would you care to step outside? Revenge! 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 Now we're cooking, huh? One's just as strong as Superman. If you've only seen the first part, you haven't seen the best part. The adventure continues in Superman 2. Uh, yeah, so my number seven is uh, Superman 2. Which cut? Uh, I don't care. The, I, I, just, <laughs> I just really like the soundtrack. That's all. That's the only reason it's here. Um, yeah, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's fun. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, Superman 2. That's, uh, <laughs> that's all, that's all I got. Say. Clearly somebody's going to talk about it later, so good for them. Uh, yeah. You've been swept. <laughs> Ryan? Um, so my number seven is a film Henry hates. Huh? <laughs> Do you find me attractive? Of course. Would you want to sleep with me? Yes. Then why don't you? Because I love my wife, and it isn't worth jeopardizing my marriage. I shouldn't have been so rude. Thank you for picking up. Mm.
you've been to the police. But I didn't tell them about Bobby. I wanted to talk to her first. Brian De Palma, the master of the macabre, who shocked audiences everywhere with Sisters, Carrie, Obsession, and The Fury, now invites you to a showing of the latest fashion in murder. <laughs> dressed to kill. Michael Caine, Angie Dickinson, Nancy Allen, dressed to kill. Murder made to order. Uh, so my number seven is Dressed to Kill. Uh, the The ending is really uh, stuck in the 80s and really uh, short-sighted. Mm-hmm. However, I think it's really it's shot really well. I really like how De Palma shoots in the 80s. And he... Uh, and it's it is a suspenseful movie until it gets to the end. You go, this is it, it kind of loses its momentum, but I, I think that it's shot really well. It's acted really well. Uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting film. Yeah, there's a part of me that feels like out of all the De Palma films, like because De Palma will you know nod to Hitchcock at any given moment. That this movie in particular is the most Hitchcockian out of all of them. There's a lot of visual elements that he draws upon from Hitchcock. I mean, like, and there's a psycho element to it as well. So, but it's a good movie. It's not on my list, but it's a great. It's a good movie. Michael Caine's good in it. Yep. Yeah. I, I just say you hate it because you gave it one star. I, ge- I just checked. I gave it one and a half stars. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually watched it like a week ago um, for like the first time. Um, and it's not that I hate it. It's just that like, there were one the endings just kind of uh, um and uh i don't know i think like it just didn't captivate me like i wanted it to mm-hmm. but and also to be fair i've not really liked any of de palma's films and so it might just be like i just don't like that style. Then you probably wouldn't and like so, it i think this is the most de palma film ever oh yeah oh yeah, yeah with yeah. his shots so. and with weird nudity that doesn't make any yeah. sense I mean, the opening scene is just her showering yeah, for what like, feels like 20 minutes. Yeah, and cleaning and herself. So. It's really bizarre. <laughs> I mean, I guess we don't have to bury the lead since this film is 40 years old. Uh, yeah. the, the ending is the reason he's killing people is because he's a cross-dresser mm-hmm. and he doesn't know how to deal with it. So, And his excuse is because he's gay. I can't remember the rationale behind I don't know what it. outfit to wear. Yeah. So I'll kill people. But it's pretty yeah. much what it is. It's really, <laughs> it's, it's, really it's short-sighted. Casually, yeah. It just feels so good I have to murder. Yeah, it's, it's really short-sighted when you look at it through more educated lenses. Yeah. And uh, so it hurts the film, but I still think it the film looks great. And if you do not like Brian De Palma, you will not like this film. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. Because okay. it's if you like Brian De Palma, though, you'll probably like it. And so, yeah. Yeah. And besides I mean, the, the whole weird cross-dressing angle, and so, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The ending aside, I think it's a movie that that is worth watching if you can take it within the context. Of the oh yeah, time, being so. the shots are incredible in it. But oh, yeah. again, if you don't like De Palma, you will hate this movie. Yeah, if you don't like yeah. Hitchcock, you won't like this movie either. But. I think you like Hitchcock and not like this yeah. film. <laughs> oh no, I would say if you don't like Hitchcock, yeah. Um, Brad, Brad, number seven. All right, my number seven is... Is this The New Blood? Just kidding, that's right. <laughs> part seven. You would know I would. more than I would. Um, my number seven is an okay film. Um, <laughs> I love. W- I wonder when we're going to get to films that are good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for that. Number like, one. Yes. <laughs> like, this is the I, best film explosion because all the films are awful. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I know, I know, this really? This is great. Yeah. Like, really should just done top five It's lists. also going to be really long, though, because we're all doing different movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, it tightens up. 
Okay. Um, especially with this review because it's a triple tag team review. Oh, sweet. Um, <gasps> this movie is – it's on my list because it's well made, but the character and the story are not something I enjoy. So my number seven is – the Bronx Bull, the Raging Bull. Let's hear for the great Jake LaMotta, ladies and gentlemen. I'm the best. I can take him more than anybody. You're dead. You're married. Leave the young girls for me. There's no way I'm going down. I don't go down for nobody. Listen, man. Why does he have to make it so hard on himself? If you beat Trigger Ray, you'll get a shot at the title. You feel that way? There's no one else around who wants to fight me. They're all afraid. There's a lot of bad things, Joey. Maybe it's coming back to me. Like I said, it's it's on my list because, as you can see, it's it's a gorgeous looking picture mm-hmm. um, and it's well acted. But um, Jake LaMotta is such a fucking asshole, and then <laughs> Kathy Moriarty puts up with so much shit, like yeah, uh, in the filmmaking part of it that you're just like, Ugh. I guess we should point out that you, Henry, and Zach all put this as your number six. That's right. Yes. So six, take it away, six, boys. Six, the number oh, it is six, six, six. Ooh, it's the. Devil. Well, mine's seven. Oh, so. it's technically seven. So six, six, seven. seven, six, no, six. The six. number of slightly less beasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah, I've only seen it one time. And I was like, that's enough. <laughs> uh, Henry, what do, you, what do you feel? What are your feelings on the Raging Bull? Um, I'm kind of like in almost the exact same boat as Brad, where it's like, great looking film. And, you know, Robert De Niro does a fine job. Uh, I think it's by far Scorsese's most overrated film. <laughs> it doesn't even come close to, I think, his great stuff. Um, but, you know, shot pretty. So that's neato, I guess. I don't know. Again, we're not in the films I think are good yet. So for my <laughs> list, so. And also picking to do black and white in 1980. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. You know, now it seems like any indie film could do it. and It you know, wouldn't be that surprising. But in 80... Because you have to get black films, black and white film stock. That's right. So it's probably a bigger pain in the ass now. You just, right. or maybe it was a budgetary thing, so it cost less money to make the movie. So they, he did black and no, white. No, it's an aesthetic choice. Um, an aesthetic choice to make more fucking money. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, it's. 
I'm not gonna. I don't think I can make the claim that it's the most overrated Scorsese movie. Um, but I think that whenever I watch it, uh, there are other Scorsese films that I prefer over this. But I love this film. Um, I think that the way he shoots those boxing scenes are innovative and fantastic, and each scene, each boxing scene is telling a different story in Jake's life, and deals with his emotional range throughout the picture. Obviously, Lamada is not a likable guy. And I remember, actually, the first time I ever heard James say that he was not as impressed with Scorsese as others was regarding this movie because you were mm-hmm. just going through the movies, your List of Shame movies. Uh-huh. Um, and that's where the, you know... I, I paid $12 for this Blu-ray. <laughs> I would like that money back. And this was the... This is actually... This film is actually... This discussion of this film is the birth of me uh, doing my Martin Scorsese imitation on this show. Because um, I was just going like, well, like me, James, like me. Um, but I think every, I think everybody's giving a fantastic performance across the board. I, it is the Scorsese film I don't go back to that often. But when I do go back to it, I am impressed by how everything is structured and everything is constructed to uh, tell the story of this, you know, like not washed up boxer but just like just he's not like the name above names for box in the boxing world and just how de niro portrays that portrays that is fantastic and the story of the making of this film has a lot of interesting points attached to it so it's just there's a confluence of a lot of stuff but yeah no it's a good movie um not my favorite from this year but a good movie whenever i watch it i just like it's gonna sound bad probably but whenever i watch it i just want to be watching rocky instead (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I so. yeah, I don't disagree with that because it's kind of just like, man, I wish this was more optimistic and it's not like I mean, I can get into the realm of a depressing film, but with this particular film I'm just like, yeah, but Rocky was like only a few years ago and that's a great boxing movie. I mean, yeah. it's not even that it's depressing, it's just that it's not entertaining to me. Yeah. Like you can is, like you can be yeah. as pretty as you fucking want. But that's not going to entertain me for how long this goddamn movie is. Com- compared to another Scorsese movie, it's probably the it's not as entertaining as you'd want it to be. But. Yeah, it is a beautiful skyscraper with absolutely no toilets in it. So like, it might, <laughs> it might look nice on the outside, but you are not going to get any shit done in there. Like, hey, it's just, hey, look at you bust that out. That was impressive. You. I was sitting here thinking about that because it's way more interesting to think about that than <laughs> the fucking movie. Raging Bull. It, yeah, it's not on my list because... like. I feel this way about a lot of Scorsese films. There are some that I absolutely adore. I love The Wolf of Wall Street and sure. and things like that. Yeah. But uh, when I see this movie, I go, wow, this is three hours. Yeah. And that's how I feel watching it. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> hey, look, a guy I don't like and can't take anything away from. Yep. Um, but yeah, anyway, sorry. I will say, though, I think you should watch it, um, not just because of its classic stature, but like just watch from like moment by moment what Scorsese is doing to tell that story. Like it is, it is worth at least one watch. So. Yep. Yeah. I, think, I think if you're educating yourself on film, it is worth you know, yep. going back to. So. And the black and white photography is amazing. Yeah. Oh, it's me again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Quick man. turnaround. Jeez. Sweet. Uh, that was so fast, I, I don't even remember now. You're oh, yeah. Six. Okay, this is a movie I've seen. Um... They showed this to us. I haven't seen it, though, for like 15 years. <laughs> they showed us this movie in high school in, in, a, in a history class, and I don't know why. And I said that to my <laughs> wife, and she said, yes, they also showed it to me in a history class, and I don't know why. So this is my number six. As we all know, when something falls from the sky, it can only have come from the gods. 
Of course, the gods only send good and useful things. However, this time they made a mistake. The gods must be crazy. The unusual story of Key the Bushman as he travels to the edge of the earth to return the gods' mistake. A most unpredictable journey, fraught with dangerous gorillas, a modest school teacher, a dedicated scientist, a tree bearing strange fruit, bizarre machinery, and wild beasts. The gods must be crazy. A serious and revealing look at civilized man. Organized. Stop! Gallant. Thank you. I'm sorry. Poised. How far do we have to go? Sensible. Suave and debonair. I brought you. take the money it's the law he can't use that stuff well i have to bushmen don't know about money and as for the edge of the earth a sense of wonder a touch of magic the gods must be crazy an epic comedy of absurd proportions you know it's funny uh sorry no you go ahead uh, the go gods ahead. must be crazy I, I remember liking it as a kid and then I watched it recently and go, this movie's not good. <laughs> yeah. So literally, like I was a freshman in high school and we watched it in like a ancient history class. I don't know why. Like, <laughs> I don't know either. I don't, I don't know why. The teacher's like, I don't want any lesson planned today. <laughs> right. yeah. It feels like it's like a misplaced uh, intent to talk about like different societies and tribes. Like Because the production of this film is pretty fascinating and how it became such a huge success. Uh, right, yeah. I mean, the fact that it then gets a sequel. It, so it's like a it's like a s- satire, but like also kind of slapsticky. Yeah. Like, you know, as you saw there, like most of the jokes are just like, oh, I fell over. Yeah. You know, oh, we we bonked heads in a car. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know, I don't know, but I've seen this movie, <laughs> and it's 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 fine. Yep, it's, it's, it's fine. I agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> it's all we're all we're all gonna be okay. Yep. <laughs> so 1980 these movies are fine. <laughs> yeah. It's just okay. Well, even uh, if you look at so if you look at the box office performance, it was down something like twenty percent this year. And that's really? even with a huge movie. Right, I was going to say, I, I figured it was just down across the board because everybody was seeing one movie. But, <laughs> no. yeah. No, because I think the pickings were slim. Yep. Clearly. Ryan, number uh, six. My number six is actually regarded as a classic film. Uh, I don't know if it reaches that status for me, but it is funny. You better get bright, pal. We got a show to do. Then we got to figure out some way to collect that gate money. Get it to the Cook County Assessor's Office as soon as they open in the morning. Joliet, Jake, and Elwood Blues. Two men with a mission, and only 11 days. And don't come back until you've redeemed 
yourselves. Our lady of blessed acceleration, don't fail me now. Me and the Lord, you got an understanding. We're on a mission from God. Lots of space in this mall. Walking around every day playing games and making scores. Trying to make other people lose their mind. Well, I'll be careful like you don't lose yours. Yeah, How are you going to raise $5,000 in days without ripping off somebody? Dance to the jailhouse rock. Suit, black hat, one carrying a briefcase? Yeah, I just sent him down there. Thank you. John Belushi. You, how much for your wife? <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. After the gig, uh, maybe we could, like, uh, hang out together. James Brown. I heard the sound in my car. Cab Calloway. Ray Charles. You, you know depreciation, man. Carrie Fisher. I must now kill you and your brother. Aretha Franklin. You're living with me now, and you're not gonna go sliding around with your old white woman friends. Henry Gibson. He better pray the police get to him before we do. And the Blues Brothers Band. Let's go, boys. The Blues Brothers. Are you the police? No, ma'am. We're musicians. <laughs> by my number six is the blues brothers you know it's 
it's funny my mother-in-law loves this movie and yeah. it doesn't seem like a movie that my mother-in-law would like yeah. uh but it has i love the energy in the film mm-hmm. i i love the stupid jokes i mean it's it's pretty close at the beginning maybe 20 minutes into it and um you know jake gets out of prison and he he looks he's like you got a cop car and he <laughs> says yep and then the bridge is going up and he floors it and just jumps across he's like okay i guess we can keep the cop car <laughs> it's like stupid uh i i and uh, it has a great pace to it where it's really manic mm-hmm. and it, it's over two hours long, but it moves really quickly because there's just big set after big set. And there's lots of really famous musicians in it that are really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, it's, it's a funny movie. It has scale for a, it's like it's it's weird for a comedy like that to have scale. And like this is the start of like SNL films. Yeah. So. As I say, is this the best SNL film? MacGruber, mm. MacGruber, <laughs> Wayne. You got MacGruber, uh, Wayne's World. Yeah, I, All right, I'd say about ladies, My question remains. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean, yeah, I think it's. I think yeah, maybe the best made one. I, I don't know. I. No. You know, the, the it's not it's Pat. <laughs> it's definitely not it's Pat. Uh, Coneheads. No. Yeah, like I said, Stuart saves his family. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I think I think we got uh, the Blues Brothers, MacGruber, and Wayne's World is the right. really the Night at the Roxbury. No, <laughs> that one's superstar. Superstar. It's rough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this movie's fun, yeah. and cool. yeah. it, I, I enjoy uh, watching it. It's a higher, yeah. yeah, it's a good movie. Yep, it's a great one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I like John Landis. Just don't let him around your kids. Because <laughs> there's this one time in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's helicopters in this movie. Too. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Red? Uh, yeah, my number six is... I, I Jason think it, Lives? Yes. That'd be awesome. Um, let's just roll all the... Fr- right, <laughs> if we ever do, do like, a horror-themed one, I'm just going to make every Friday the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> we should just do a film explosion of all the Friday the 13th, and everyone's lists are the same. Just <laughs> 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 have each of the movies on it. Um, yeah, my number six is, I would say it's more of a thriller than a horror movie. Um, and Ryan hates it. Nice. Um, so, but it's, it's like, and I'm not a huge fan of it, but I think it's still like well made. Um, my number six oh, is a tag team review with Henry. Hmm. Wow. Hey. Henry is on a roll tag team. I don't suppose they, uh, told you anything in Denver about the tragedy we had up here during the winter of 1970. I hired a man named Charles Grady is the winter caretaker. From what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely normal individual. But at some point during the winter, he must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, killed his family. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. <laughs> that's right. Mom? you really want to go and live in that hotel for the winter? Sure I do. It'll be lots of fun. The only thing that can get a bit trying up here during the winter is uh, the tremendous sense of isolation. Is there something bad here? I fear you will have to deal with this matter in the harshest possible way. I do die. I killed you with Danny. You did this to me. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Here's Johnny. 
Yeah, like I said, I, I feel like it's more of a thriller. Um, Jack Nicholson tour de force performance. Um, yeah, and I think you got to buckle up for his performance because right off the bat, it's really over the top. Yeah, yeah, it's Jack Nicholson as Jack Nicholson, but it's shot well. Yeah, yeah. it looks mm-hmm. good. Doctor Sleep is a fun movie. It is. Um, I, I like I like The Shining. It came close to my list. But. Henry, why is it on your list? Guys, we're so close <laughs> to the films I like. <laughs> we're almost there. I mean, like Brad said, it's very well made, and I respect it. I'm never going to rewatch this film. <laughs> I barely watched it to begin with. I, I, I watched that. it a couple years ago because I was like, I, should, I guess I have to see The Shining if I'm going to be a film person. <laughs> and so I did. And fucking, I don't know, man. Yeah, The Shining's my number five. It's the fifth best film of this fucking year, I guess. <laughs> I will say the Ultra HD cover is really awesome. It's just a white silhouette, and then it's him with an axe. Or if you get the steelbook, it's the yellow maze. Oh, is it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. People think you know it's what it should have been? You know what fucking Kubrick should have done? He should have just been a fucking advertising person. Really? Because he's good at that. He's good at selling shit. Totally. He's not good at telling a fucking story. <laughs> Like Doctor Strange Love, that movie's pretty great. I like, uh, I like the one with Rebecca De Mornay. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's 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 a it's an essential watch. I mean, like I think it's more of a thriller, like Brad said, but like uh, it came close to my list. But I like the Changeling more. It's there. Yep. Cool. Zach. All right. My number five uh, is a movie that I. Um, discovered in high school and I fell in love with it and I think I watched it five times in a single day once um, when I was in my senior year of high school Stand by for the most extraordinary chain of events ever swept up into high adventure Hey Larry, where's the forklift? Forklift! Just over there where the bag is water. Airplane. Airplane is drama. Uh, this is Dr. Brody at the Mayo Clinic. There's a passenger on your Chicago flight 209 or a little girl named Lisa Davis en route to Minneapolis. She's scheduled for a heart transplant. I want you to make sure that she's kept in a reclined position and that a continuous watch is kept on her IV. Airplane is action. Airplane is romance. I love you, Elaine. I love you. Airplane is music. There is only one river. There is only one sea. Airplane is dancing. Has the screen been so big? You ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. Peter Graves. You ever seen a grown man naked? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. 
Leslie Nielsen. This woman has to be gotten to a hospital. A hospital? What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. Lloyd Bridges. Johnny, what can you make out of this? This? Well, I can make a cap, or a brooch, or a pterodactyl, could you get Robert Stack. All right, Steve, let's face a few facts. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your flight. Julie Haggerty. By the way, is there anyone on board who knows how to fly a plane? Can you fly this plane and land it? Robert Hayes. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. Come down. Get a hold of yourself. Calm down. Now get back to your seat. I'll take care of this costume. Calm down. Get a hold of yourself. Made it! Made it! All right, now everybody, get in crash positions. The most incredible adventure the screen has ever created. The big news is... Airplane. So yeah, my number five is Airplane. Um, so is my number five. Woo, right on, cool. Um, yeah, I... Uh, I I got to the I get to this film after watching Basketball, which is by the Zuckers, um, and uh, <laughs> just the amount of insanity that's going through it. While that this film is essentially being performed straight straight laced, it's not being performed to uh, like intentionally do comedy. Like the the lines are delivered dramatically, but everything they're saying is completely hilarious. Well, that's the trademark of these guys. I mean, yeah. I love. The Hot Shot movies. I love the, these movies. I mean, it shows up later on my list because I absolutely adore yeah. absurd comedy where they... And this is why I think a movie like this works so well is because they deliver the lines in earnest. Yeah. It's not... Uh, surely you can't be serious. Yeah, it's it's not too much of it's not it's not a really a wink at the camera. I think the closest you get is the Steven Stucker character, yeah. like the Leon's getting larger, like and it just. Leslie Nielsen is a treasure in this movie. Uh, I I love like one of the reasons I watched it five times in a single day was because I was watching Leslie Nielsen's performance in the movie. Um, and you've got other like, you've got Peter Graves with with the like you, you ever seen a grown man naked Billy and like Kareem Abdul Jabbar and his cameo like it. The movie operates on a on a wonderfully absurd wacky level that I definitely enjoy. I mean like. The Zuckers don't always make movies that are to my liking, but this is easily one of like the ones of theirs that I will go back to, and uh, yeah, I enjoy it. Brad, why do you like it? Uh, it's just fun and silly. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's when I developed my drinking problem. <laughs> Looks like you can't drink, guys. It's not <laughs> yeah. alcohol. <laughs> Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit methamphetamines. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, my number five. Yep. James, you're number five. Oh, I thought you were asking me about airplane. I paid twelve dollars for this movie, <laughs> and if I could get it back, no. Uh, my my number five is a movie I have not seen, <laughs> but it's rated higher than movies you've seen. You must have loved this trailer. 
But I bet if I had, it'd probably be about my number five. Uh, my, my number five is Ordinary People. Uh, and I just never got around to it, you know, because it's kind of like Schindler's <laughs> List. Like, you know, you got to be... <laughs> Look at Henry. You, you broke Henry. <laughs> you got to kind of be in the mood. If you want to just assume that we'd like films, sure. Then I could throw way more films on this goddamn list. But we can't just fucking assume that we'd like them. Like... What the hell? Uh, I love it. Uh, uh, um... It's it's one of those movies, you know, you kind of have to be in the mood to actually, like, sit down and watch something super dramatic and whatever, and I, I just, um... You're not there yet. <laughs> How do you know? It could be the, lo- it could be the funniest but movie ever. In general, in general, movies like this I tend to like, and I tend to like them more than <laughs> It's also two hours and four minutes, so there's that, too. Yeah, the, it's definitely a... Yep. I think you broke Henry, and then you just broke yourself. <laughs> Love it. Love yeah, it. That's my number five. <laughs> you know Kajimusha, the Akira Kurosawa film? I haven't seen it, but I'm sure I'd love it. It's my number one now. Who cares? So, Yeah, my number one's Dreams. Uh, Ryan? Uh, my number five is a film James doesn't like either. Um, but I think it's really funny. Welcome to the Bushwood Country Club. The membership's exclusive. You think I'd join this crummy snobatorium? The help is outrageous. <laughs> the madness is contagious. Bad language, fooling around in the course, poor caddying. But this whole place Caddy Shack, starring Chevy Chase as Ty Webb. Who is that disgusting man over there? A sportsman who really knows how to score. So what brings you to this uh, nape of the woods, neck of the wave? How come you're here? Rodney Dangerfield as Al Servant, a big shot. My dinghy's bigger than your whole boat! With an even bigger mouth. <laughs> hey, somebody step on a duck. <laughs> Ed Knight as Judge Smales, a man of dignity. <laughs> and a sense of fair play. I've sentenced boys younger than you to the gas chamber. Michael O'Keefe as Danny Noonan, a caddy who wants an education and gets one. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. Cindy Morgan as Lacey Underall. She's got a bad reputation, and she's working hard to keep it. You want to tie me up with some of your ties? And Bill Murray as Carl Spackler. Uh, Just a harmless squirrel, not a plastic explosive or anything, nothing to be worried about. He's not crazy about gophers, (coughs) but he is crazy. License to kill gophers by the government of the United Nations. And introducing... Mr. Gopher as himself. I said freeze, Gopher! Caddyshack. It's all about swinging. Kiss me, you fool. But not on the course. Hey, you want to make $14 the hard way? Ah! Playing a good game. That's all he got out of that one. And talking a better one. Hey, I should have stayed home and played with myself. Taking shots. That was a bum shot. And making time. We couldn't possibly think less of each other. Controlling your drives. Wow! And losing your grip. <laughs> it is! You! Out! Or the man's a menace! Caddyshack. The comedy with. Balls! <laughs> hang on, hang on. It's balls. They didn't say it, but we knew. 
I have a soft spot in my heart for Rodney Dangerfield, mm-hmm. so I pretty much like everything he does, even his shitty movies. Just I don't know. I just love Rodney Dangerfield. I love his comedy, and he has my favorite line in the whole movie, where uh, he tells this Asian guy, he says, "Hey, this club's exclusive. Don't tell anybody you're Jewish, okay, Yang?" It's stupid, <laughs> but it's awesome. Um, I can't do it justice because I'm not Rodney Dangerfield, but it's awesome. Yeah, and there's a gopher in it that James really loves. <laughs> I paid twelve dollars for this movie, and I gave it away. You're just, you, you know, <laughs> won't have it. But yeah, it's fun, and I, I'll always give Rodney Dangerfield a pass. But I th- actually think this movie is a lot of fun, and it's '80s Chevy Chase before he came a butthead. Hmm? Yep, he was probably a butthead then. Yeah, oh, I'm sure he was. Oh yeah. Back then. He, yeah. oh yeah, he was. SNL stories um, will tell you that he's oh always been. This I'm way. so good, I can quit SNL after one year. <laughs> yep, yep. Put nearly put that show in a bind. Henry, number four. Oh, is it my turn again already? Or, Jeez, wow, wait, that was the final fast. chapter. Um. Yeah, we're on number four now, right? Misleading. Uh, yeah, number four. Uh, I I will say I half like this film. Even <laughs> I might even say I three fourths like this movie. Uh, this is uh, actually no, it's half. It's half. It's this film. This film that trailer's wrong. In case you, it's just wrong, um, that's not what the film is like. Literally at all, um, <laughs> the film is actually just like kind of like a coming of age drama about Jodie Foster runs into the runs away with the circus or the carnival or whatever, and it's about she starts having like kind of like this like like love triangle with these three guys or whatever. It does not really get dark all that much, uh, if I remember it correctly. Anyway, um, 
it's really just like a coming of age. It's, it's not like the trailer makes it almost out to be like a horror film, which 100 percent is not at all. Um, but it's uh, I mean, I watched it when I was watching all Jodie Foster stuff. And uh, it was I remember being kind of like like a diamond in the rough kind of thing where it, I enjoyed it way more than I was expecting to. Uh, and Jody's great in it, obviously, and because she's always good and stuff. Uh, and both the guys do a fine-ish job. Um, you won't you won't walk out being like that was the best movie from 1980, but you will walk out thinking it's the fourth best from 1980. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my number four. Cool, Zach. My number four is a repeat. No, not that far off. Yeah, not that far off. Um, Caddyshack is something that my dad introduced to me, and so there's a part of it that means a lot to me in terms of just, like, it's one of those many comedies that he introduced me. He introduced me to Mel Brooks. He introduced me to, like, a lot of SNL stuff, like, early, early SNL stuff. And so Caddyshack was one that I, I was... It took me a while to get into the frame of mind of what it was doing, but Rodney Dangerfield immediately popped to me. As I got older, I started liking Chevy Chase's performance in it more, and obviously Bill Murray is kind of like universally that like that performance. I feel like it like anybody can enjoy it on any level, uh, other than the guy across from me, for whatever reason. But um, it it it's a it's a wacky absurdist movie that does the whole snobs versus slobs story, and I think it's it, I don't think it innovates it, but I think it's one of those ones that you look to as the standard for it, and I think a big part of that is because ted knight is amazing in the movie as the judge he is i mean i love one of my favorite gifts to use in the world is well we're waiting (laughs) like i love his delivery in that movie he is a fucking genius he's always been a genius but he's definitely in this movie um and rodney dangerfield like i mean like amongst my favorite things and references and callbacks when i'm thinking about like how fun film can be is Rodney Dangerfield on a golf course playing golf and then uh, just basically saying, so what? So let's dance turns on a radio and then everybody starts singing to journey. Why? I don't know. Cause Rodney can make it happen. Cause he's a magical being in a magical movie. Uh, and that gopher's fun as hell. Kenny Loggins. This is, Easily my favorite soundtrack that he did in the 80s. I think so. Top Gun's better, but... You know. I, I understand that. I, just, I like this one a lot more for whatever reason. Um, I mean, I think Top Gun technically is better. This one's my favorite. So, um, yeah, number four, Caddyshack. I, I have a lot of fond memories with it, watching with my dad and um, him introducing me to it. And I also... Chevy Chase has a great line about, like, um, you know, my uncle wouldn't like it if you were doing this. And he goes, your uncle molests collies. <laughs> just <laughs> straight... You know, like comedy goal. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's it's funny. No, 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 no. All right, uh, my number four is a repeat. My number four is. Is it something you've seen? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Ew, I touched you. Oh no. <laughs> Tag team review. Uh, yeah, so uh, Brad and Mai's number four is the Blues Brothers. Yeah, oh, yes. yeah. Right on. Yeah. Again, Which not that a, far off. Yeah. I'm just like hacking off limbs. I'm not really killing people. <laughs> no, no, no. You are far. You off, are yeah. the Jason of this podcast. Slow death. Yeah. Slow, Slow death. death. But yeah, this is the best comedy of the year for sure. Yeah, so I'm, just, I'm just being an asshole. <laughs> like, like airplane is a comedy that I remember fondly. <laughs> yeah, 
It's a good movie. Uh, mm. It's it's a fun time. Yeah, you know, there's always like jokes. The White like, Blues Brothers work so well. I think there's always little jokes throughout it that you know aren't intended to draw attention to them, mm. but yeah. just work really well. It's yeah. weird how subtle it is, in spite of it being as extravagant as it is. Yeah. <laughs> like the mm. humor is very modulated. Mm. Yeah, speaking of extravagant, like I said in that trailer, like it, there's so much. Destructive, like the budget looks enormous, but I can't imagine it was in 1980. No, yeah. probably not. Like s- some modern movies aren't even that. It's because Landis knows how to use how to how to create scope where there normally wouldn't be. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> That's all. Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the, uh, better than the sequel. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I don't know. There's I, there's many reasons. You know, you do that. miss the energy of John Belushi. Yes, yeah, because he is crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. why he. Um, I don't know. The sequel has scribbles. The sequel has scribbles. Get out of my house! <laughs> <laughs> I remember that too, when it was cool to be, you know, Blues Brothers two thousand. Yeah, because right? it's it just cool to have two thousand in it. It was twenty years later. Yeah. Pokemon the movie two thousand, yeah. <laughs> Blues Brothers two thousand, Ryan Schumer computer four? virus uh, two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number four is also a repeat uh, from a little while ago. Uh, my number four is The Changeling, which oh. is uh, a horror film. The seance scene is really great. Uh, it's my favorite seance scene, followed closely by <laughs> The Uninvited, which is a really old film, mm-hmm. but it, it reminded me a lot of The Uninvited. Um, yeah, it's just really well done. It takes place in Colorado. Two horror films in Colorado this yeah. year: The Shining and this. Um, but yeah, it's surprisingly a drama about grief and losing somebody. Mm-hmm. But mixed in with, I think actually pretty effective scares throughout the film. Yeah, because uh, you're not sure what happens, and then when you when they reveal um, what's going on, and it's even more depressing. The the bathtub, yeah. is brutal. Yeah, and the reveal of everything is actually re- it's an interesting mystery too. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't seen it, there is a, I don't know if it's even, it's a limited edition Blu-ray. The Blu-ray is amazing. Yeah. I think um, you can still get it. Maybe not but the you, limited edition Not one. with the one with the CD. No, that yeah. one's a gone. But it's uh, it's a really great Blu-ray. Uh, yeah, I recommend The Changeling if you want to look for a spooky ghost story. Yeah. I, I, I like it too, and that's one of the reasons why I had to be on the list is because it was something you, you kind of invigorated me to watch, and I appreciate that. Well, it's what I do. You have introduced me to some of the greatest horror films. The Blu-ray came with a CD? Yeah, the soundtrack, yeah. yeah. Oh, funny. Mm. Cool. Uh, Henry, you're back up again. Henry, you're Oh, back. shit, okay. Um, <laughs> um, uh, my number three is not a repeat, suckers. Uh, my number three is the stuntman. Oh, wait, it's this. It's not the stuntman, it's this. <laughs> Step right up, folks. Ride the ride of the century on Eli's killer crane. Stuntman, a man on the run. The woman who had to know why. Who the hell are you? And the director who offered him a hiding place. You shall be a stuntman, who is an actor, who is a character in a movie, who is an enemy soldier, who look for you amongst all those. The Stuntman. 
In a world where nothing is what it seems, the hardest stunt is to hold on to reality. It doesn't change the fact that the man is crazy. It's the insanity of violence and the madness of make-believe. You're cheating me. You look at me like I'm some kind of damn movie. Well, I'm not. I'm real. I'm on this show. Hang on, baby. Trapped in a nightmare, wrapped up in a movie. The Stuntman, an outrageous leap into the unexpected. The Stuntman, it's fantastic. We finally did, guys, we did it. We did it right <laughs> the part where it's my film, so I like them. Henry's so happy. Ah, <laughs> oh boy, it took, we had to get through seven bullshit, but we got to the three films I like from this year. All right, the stuntman. Um, it's great. The plot of the film is that the main character—I don't know the actor's name because fucking old—but um, uh, <laughs> he's a criminal. He's on the run from the police, uh, and then he kind of stumbles across this like film set being ran by Peter O'Toole, who's the director. And he's like, "Well, I don't really have any talent, but can I do anything on set to like like blend in or whatever?" And Peter O'Toole's like, "What well, do you want to be a stuntman? You just get fucking hit in the face all day, but you can do that if you want." And he's like, sure, I'll do fucking that. I can do that. And so it becomes this film about how he and Peter O'Toole start this kind of relationship where he becomes a stuntman in order to hide and not get caught by the police. And Peter O'Toole is the villain of the film, basically, and is like, I'm just going to keep fucking pushing you until you eventually die, basically. Uh, and if you don't, then I'll just turn you into the police. Um, the film's incredible. Uh, it's so good. Peter O'Toole is fantastic as like this kind of menacing kind of director. Uh, I highly recommend it because I've, I've met literally zero people who have actually seen this film, and it's fantastic. Looks cool. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. I've heard of it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's Zach? my number three. Yep. Um, my number three uh, is a movie that ten years ago probably wouldn't have made my top ten of 1980, um, but thanks to this podcast, it can be on the list and this high nonetheless. Hello? Who is that? Oh, hi. What are you doing out in this mess? One. Two. You're doomed. You're all doomed. Three. We weren't doing anything. We were just messing up. Four. Five.
So yeah, my number three is Friday the 13th. Um, <clears throat> I've been very open on the fact that I'm a Michael guy, not a Jason guy. But Jason's not in this movie. No. Um, he is, a, he well, is, he is in at, the movie. At the end, yes, at the end. Uh, he's not and the in the middle. He's, he's not the killer, though, I guess is the yeah. thing. An elderly woman is. Spoilers. <laughs> Betsy Palmer. You can like um, both. You don't have to choose between the two. Um, I have a preference on it. But like, I've always, I used to think like, when I was younger, I was kind of like, oh, Jason's, you know, not as great as Michael. Being friends with this guy as long as I have, I've learned to appreciate pointing these films a lot more. <laughs> yeah, pointing to Ryan, yeah. Um, I think, and a lot of it has to do with reading Crystal Lake Memories and watching that documentary and re-watching these films. Um, I, I think that first, this first film in particular is really good at playing a little bit of a murder mystery mixed in with it being a slasher movie. And a lot of people do have the impression that this movie is just a Halloween ripoff. I feel like this movie gets a lot more right than you'd expect. And that the things that rip off this movie, uh, take from the things that Cunningham did, uh, th- th- takes away, takes from the things that Cunningham felt that he didn't do correctly. Whereas he did a lot of stuff correctly. Like there is suspense in this movie. There is tension there is an ability to create a mystery around who is killing the campers and spoiler alert, it's Jason's mom. Um, and I, I just enjoy watching it. It is a, it is a defining film for the horror genre and the slasher genre period. Like I like Halloween. I also like this movie a lot too. Um, and you know, I, I appreciate the, uh, the fun I've had watching the films, especially with, Ryan being as into him as he is, like it's something that I can you know connect to on that level too. So, uh, so yeah, I've three. always said Friday Thirteenth films for me are the movies I turn to when I don't have anything else to watch and I don't want to really think about what I'm watching. Because <laughs> um, I think they are just a fun popcorn movie. Yeah. I mean, not many of them are very well made, uh, but what they do have going for them is I think they're clever mm. and uh, you know you're setting up the trick and the trick is the kill. So y- you're basically delivering a punchline and and it has to be fun and this film is fun it i and i really love how much hate it gets because when you watch it now it's not that violent and it's not out of that out of control i mean when this came out uh siskel and ebert put out betsy palmer's address and said write to her and tell her how how disappointed you are for being in this piece of shit movie which is irresponsible of those two to do that uh so they they never liked them but you know, it has its charm. Yeah, it has its charm. And, I mean, like, the, it is innovative to watch, yeah. like, how that works. Watch it on Blu-ray. Like, like make up a side, like, how it's going to, like, look in the transfer. Like, 
There's some really innovative effects that Savini pulls off in that. I think the I think the trailers for them are awesome. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they and, they go with this motif I think for the first three, and then the fourth one is a little more um, in your face. And the fifth one has a great teaser trailer. And too bad the movie's garbage. Yeah. Um, and, yep. and I think Cunningham does a good job directing yeah. the movie. Very good job. Um, Goes from yeah. smut to that, so he did pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> is this the one on the boat? <laughs> there is a boat in it. Oh, all right. There we go. All right. But it's not on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> James? Yeah. James, number three. Uh, oh, my number three is a movie I have seen. Oh, good. Thank God. And a movie that I like. <gasps> but wow. a movie that over the last six months I've been trying to get a Blu-ray of, and it's not on one. I haven't seen it in a long time, um, but it's really tough to get a hold of this movie, which is too bad. Because uh, it's it's great. My number three is this. 20th Century Fox presents a tribute to anyone who has ever been overworked, underpaid, and pushed to the edge by an ungrateful boss. <laughs> they arrive promptly at nine. Because if they're not on time, they know they'll get the sack. But before they begin the daily grind, the boss takes his cup black. They remember each date, make sure he's not late, and keep everything organized. They reserve tables for brunch or a three-martini lunch while they dine on burgers and fries. Miss Rhodes! They listen to all his problems. They do their best to please. And even if they run the show, he gets paid for their ideas. Great work. And so long as he's alive from nine to five, they'll take it all they can. Rhodes, come in here. But what will go on when the light finally dawns that it's time to get back at that man? Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, and Dolly Parton. Nine to five. Uh, yeah, that trailer doesn't feel like nine to five at all. Uh, but uh, yeah, my number three is nine to five. Uh, yeah, the performances are great. I like I said, I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, but it's one of those movies that like I think back to and remember as like this. I don't know. Um, it's like what feminism looks like in the eighties. Yeah, uh, very much so. Um, I think. I think. Yeah. The uh, the story is good. It's fun, and and I think the yeah. I don't know. I I really need to see it again. Clearly, um, but I can't unless it came on cable, which I don't have. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I've never seen the movie before. I'll have to watch uh, it. You know, if I ever get a Blu-ray of it, I'll I'll lend it to you. Yeah, um, but I literally, I think in the last six months. Oh, that's why, because I was trying to put together like, I wanted to put together a subset of movies in my collection that are like movies that a young woman should see growing up because I have one mm-hmm. uh, and that was one of the ones that came up and I was like oh man like by the way sometime when she's like 12 she should see 9 to 5 probably <laughs> um, and then you, I can't get it but you know I got 12 years yeah you're good yeah so <laughs> anyway so James I haven't James I haven't seen this film should I make this my number one because <laughs> since those are the I rules I don't so. know it's it's hard for you to know based on the trailer whether or not you would like it. But that's, the, you know, if you're going to judge, let's say, a movie by its mm. trailer, this one's really mm. tough. 
to do. Okay. So, yeah. Just Don't know worry. the leads I mean, are Now delightful. it's all in the air. We'll see what my number one is. Who knows? Don't worry. From here on out, I've seen all the movies. <laughs> I like Lily Tomlin. There's only two movies left, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, my number three. Right? Uh, my number three is a repeat. I think it's one of the funniest movies ever made. And my number three is Airplane. I uh, grew up. I love these kind of movies. I've said this many times. I think that's why I love MacGruber and things like that. My wife can't stand films like this. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's uh, we talked about it, I don't know, 30 minutes ago. I, I love the, the zaniness of the lines. And they're completely stupid. But they're delivered with, like, the real lines. And so everybody... I think that just adds to the comedy timing of it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just a fun movie. I just wanted to tell you, good luck. We're all counting on you. <laughs> you know, and then it has really subtle jokes in it, too, where uh, at one point Stryker is in Africa and he's teaching them how to play basketball. <laughs> and he's missing every shot. And then he goes over and talks to somebody and says, I think they're finally getting it. And they're doing dunks and <laughs> doing all this crazy stuff. And it's funny. Uh, yeah. Airplane. It's funny. You should see it. Yep. And then there's a part where uh, he goes into the airport and he's just beating up all like the Buddhist monks and stuff because they're trying. To- oh yeah, the, the, the Hare Krishna. Like, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Anyways, <laughs> uh, my number three. The special effects have not aged well, but I still think it's a pretty awesome sequel to you know for its time. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my number. Uh, I don't know why I took a pause. There's no trailer. Uh, <laughs> I'll suspense. I'll edit this out. We'll do yeah. a movie talk. You took a beat. My number three was uh, Superman two. So uh, yeah, it, the first movie is great, but it lacks a like formidable adversary for a man that powerful. <laughs> so um, and obviously this was shot at the same time, just cut into two movies. Um, so uh, yeah, this you know. Uh, Terrence Stamp and the the Kryptonians. Um, it, it's also the you know the story like every superhero story kind of has that story where they lose their powers and they have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, this is that story. It, it, you miss you realize why Christopher Reeve became a star be- with these movies is because he's really charming. Mm-hmm. And I said this when I rewatched Superman recently, and I I really love Man of Steel. I'm not saying I don't like the film. But you kind of miss the happiness of, you know, I'm this dude with all this power, and my job is to protect people. I'm not, you know, downtrodden all the time. It's right. I'm here to help Truth, Justice, and the American Way. And it's really fun and refreshing watching those films. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of Man of Steel, um, you know, everyone got on its case about Superman killing, but this Superman knocks those guys down a pit, and they die. So yeah. it's just not the first time he's killed. Nope. <laughs> the fell killed them. He didn't kill them. <laughs> <laughs> but he could have flown down there at super speed and saved them, and he didn't. So yeah, he's busy saving. Superman Lois can't Paris. do everything, Brad. I don't know what you're complaining about. <laughs> he didn't kill them. It was the fall. I won't kill you, but I have no problem putting my foot in front of your foot, and then you trip down a well. <laughs> I have a question. In the forces of solitude, with the bombless pit, is the bombless pit like just go into the core of the earth and then they just burn up? So he doesn't actually fall and like break his neck. <laughs> well, maybe they just maybe it, it's like a it's a you know some kind of space time thing where they're actually just falling forever. Ooh, you know that's maybe more disturbing. Maybe See, caught, they didn't like, die; like a, they're just falling forever. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He falls into like, the Phantom Zone. It's like, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Bill and Ted's bogus journey. They're just falling for a very, very long time. Yeah, <laughs> he fell into the gap. <laughs> Mind the gap. 
Yeah, Superman 2. Pretty awesome. Henry, your number All two. Right. My number two, a film that I like. Uh, yes. It is, Took uh, eight of them. What was that? Took to get eight other ones to get to a film yep, you like. Yeah, here we go. A film I like. In the basement of one of the country's leading medical schools, Dr. Edward Jessup, candidate for a Nobel Prize, is conducting the most dangerous experiment in the history of science, and the subject of the experiment is himself. Ask him what kind of an experience I can expect. during these blackout periods is you get the feeling of phenomenal acceleration like you're being shot out over millions billions of years time simply obliterates now, i'm asking you to put the experiment off until we understand a little more in order to minimize the risk i'm really frightened what the hell was that we could be screwed around with this whole genetic structure now how do we stop this Millions of years stored away in that computer bank we call our minds. We have got trillions of dormant genes in us, our whole evolutionary past. Perhaps I've tapped into that. I'm a professor of endocrinology at Harvard <laughs> Medical School. I'm an attending physician at the Peter Bent Brigham Hospital. And I'm not going to listen to any more of your bumbo jumbo. I'm going to show you the school radio. Because I believe it, I want this thing stopped. The most terrifying experiment in the history of science is out of control. So yeah, altered states. That's my number two. Uh, I yeah. saw someone describe this once as if 2001 was a horror film and not a sci-fi film, it would probably look like this. Uh, and I can go along with that. Altered states is basically about this guy who's trying, who's just doing all these science, science experiments and like doing experimental stuff in order to understand like. The psych and how the mind works and how reality works and how the soul works and that kind of thing. So he's trying like shamanism and like Native American type stuff. He tries sensory deprivation type stuff. And it basically ends up being a horror film about the creation of life and what it means to suffer and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's great. I like it a lot. Uh, yeah. It's a Ken Russell film. And Ken Russell basically like his expertise is making you feel uncomfortable. And uh, I watch this film and I'm like, ooh, I'm uncomfortable. And so he did a good job. Uh, but yeah, Altered States. I highly recommend it. And also, I'm a big Ken Russell fan. So, you know, all's well that ends well. Yeah. I've Number seen two. it once. I need to rewatch it. But it, watching that trailer, I maybe want to go back to it. And it's young William Hurt, too. Yeah, and here's the thing. I've realized this recently after watching Body Heat. I believe that William Hurt is the hottest man to ever lived. <laughs> <laughs> I can believe that. I mean, anytime uh, I, I will see show my Avengers studies later. <laughs> Cool, sweet. Oh, Zach, it's me. Uh, my number two is my favorite David Lynch movie. Life is full of surprises, ladies and gentlemen. The terrible elephant man. At first, you will want to turn away from him. Then, you may find him a silent, unresisting target for your ridicule. Stand up. Stand up. Turn around. Mister, why is your head so big, mister? <laughs> but if you come to know him, 
Have you always been the way you are now? You will begin to see beyond the perversion of his form. Are you in any pain? Are your parents still alive? Your father, your mother? And discover the beauty in the beast. He is English. He is 21. His name is John Merrick. At no time have I met with such a perverted or degraded version of a human being as this man. Am I to assume then that he is ultimately incurable? Yes, sir. This hospital doesn't accept incurables. The freak hunting. This is monstrous. If you ask my opinion, he's only being stared at all over again. People pay money to see your monster, Mr. Treves. I'll collect it. Yada, monster, yada. Freak. Who is it all for? Why did I do it? And perhaps for the first time, you will understand the true meaning of courage and human dignity. I am not an animal. I am a human being. You are not an elephant man at all. You're Romeo. Anthony Hopkins, Anne Bancroft, Sir John Gielgud, Wendy Hiller, and John Hurt as the Elephant Man. Coming from Paramount Pictures. So yeah, um, <clears throat> my number two is the Elephant Man. Um, so uh, I talked earlier about how Brooks Films was a company that Mel set up in order to get other films out there and he wouldn't put his name on it so that he could not distract from uh, the attention of the film and the filmmakers behind it that are actually doing the work. And this is one of those instances where that pays off in stride. Um, Mel Brooks really liked Eraserhead. He brought in David Lynch to come and direct this piece based on of a Broadway play and of a real-life subject named John Merrick. Um, and I, I am not as big a fan of David Lynch as other people like Henry, but I appreciate what Lynch does. This is my favorite of his films because I feel like it's the balance between um, some of the more out-there stuff like what Blue Velvet and, um, and um, uh, Inland Empire can be. But, there's like a, there, it's, it, but I also like stuff like The Straight Story, so this is kind of like the middle ground for that for me. Um, and I appreciate all the performances that are going around through this film. Um, the photography in this film is beautiful. Um, the, uh, emotion behind it is surprisingly like it still holds up even though maybe perhaps the story of Merrick would be treated a little differently today. I feel like it still hits a good, um, balance at the emotional tone and standing up like all these years later. And I think John Hurt gives one of the most amazing performances of his career in this movie. And this is one of his first. Um, and Hurt's an actor that we don't, that when he passed away, like everybody had their own thing to draw on for. And for me, it was this and V for Vendetta, which is, you know, like t two vastly different performances. Uh, Hopkins is great in it and Bancroft's fantastic in it. Um, and I, I wish it was a little bit more readily available on home media because um, it's kind of hard to find copies without paying up the butt for it. But you can find it on digital and prime. Um, I'm surprised it's not in the Criterion Collection. I think it should be. I I don't know if it's 
Paramount has Paramount doesn't have any issues with Criterion, do they? Or? Well, they usually put David Lynch's stuff in there. So right. uh, this, I don't know, and this might also be a situation where Shout will get it because Shout has a relationship with Mel Brooks and Brooks Films, and like again, Brooks would end up like putting out other stuff like this, like Eighty Four Charing Cross Road and The Fly and stuff like that. And it's so I, there's a lot of things about this film that I enjoy, both behind the scenes and in front of the camera. Um, so yeah, if you have not seen The Elephant Man and you're wondering this is a movie that David Lynch made, the answer is yes. This is the movie that he made and actually got him his first directing nomination for an Oscar. So, um, And obviously the direction that he would go after that is vastly different. But yeah, my number two, The Elephant Man. James, this is the one I really recommend you see at some point. I know I will. Yeah, because I think you'll like it. I probably will. Eh, probably not. Henry do, you, <laughs> Henry, do you not like this one? It's fine. Okay. I mean, I like the more crazy stuff like Mulholland Drive and, and Linda yeah. and that kind of stuff. I still don't think James would like this one at all, though. Like, maybe there'd be like, I'm sure James would walk away from this being like, there were parts that I liked about that. But in general, I spent $12 on it and I want that money back. Oh. And so, I just don't think, I, I genuinely don't think James would actually like this film. Well, from the sounds of it, Henry, I would have, I would have to pay about $30 to get it. And that, that'd be yeah. It. That's gonna be a taller order. If I ever find a way to show it to in a wider like way, I will. But like, yeah. I, I, I think that like it's. It, what's interesting is that it's like it's it. The the heart on it is it, it wears its heart on its sleeve. Right, so the heart on. on. <laughs> you heard the, that too, right? <laughs> the, the way it wears its heart on its sleeve, it's very hard to criticize it from a modern context. Sure, because it's not its intent is oh. not malicious whatsoever. So. No, I actually think it looks good. Yeah, uh, I I keep meaning to see it. Yeah. Anyway, but it's kind of like Schindler's List. You got to be in a certain yeah. place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My number two. My number two. My number two is a movie I've seen. Yes. And that I love. Yes. It is the tale of an elephant that needs to get somewhere different than they are. My we already talked about Tusk. This here is Sheriff Buford T. Justice. I'm sure you all recall how I went after a fella by the CB name of Bandit and almost lost my head. Daddy, the top came off. No. Before you go getting all worked up about it, let me reassure you people there ain't no way he's gonna make a out of Buford T. Justice this time. Why didn't you have your gun loaded? When I put bullets in it, Daddy, it gets too heavy. This time, folks, he's bitten off more than he can chew. He's taking on a cargo that proves he's gotten too big for his britches. Enjoy my life. I can turn them on, but I can't turn them off. And if he thinks he can sneak two tons of pregnant pachyderm under my nose, he's got another thing coming. Ha ha. Now we got him in the biggest, baddest trap ever. Cause this time I got help. Two of the most brilliant and respected lawmen on the road today. My two brothers, Gaylord and Reggie. Well, if I can keep and it don't matter where he goes, it don't matter what it tries to pull, my brothers and I give you our solemn vow. 
We are gonna barbecue his Come on, Trigger! Don't let me down now! Universal Pictures presents Burt Reynolds, Jerry Reed, Sally Field, Don DeLuise, Jackie Gleason, Jackie Gleason, Jackie Gleason, and Charlotte in Smokey and the Bandit Part 2. The movie that proves once again... It's not what's in your trunk that counts. It's who's on your tail. Uh, so I was like obsessed with Smokey and the Bandit when I was a kid. Like I watched these movies quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, this is the movie where, you know, they made a, a really popular movie where Burt Reynolds drives a car fast and falls in love with Sally Field while they're trying to get Coors beer across state lines. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, and they thought that for a sequel, maybe instead of Coors beer, an elephant. Yeah. You know? Wait, wait, wait. When was Coors beer illegal? Uh, you you it, used to not be able to, like... Dry county stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, no. It was about, like, no, whether or not you could yeah. you could tell or transport it across mm. state lines. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that, like, and Coors used to be regional. Right. Um, and so, you, yeah, anyway. Um, so in the first movie, it's like they're in, I don't know, Georgia or something like that, and there's a guy, or maybe it's I don't know. There's a guy Atlanta. who like who wants who wants Coors for really something. Really want a six pack of Coors? Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> seriously. And so he, he hires. So he has to go to Texarkana to get it, and it's yeah. it's 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 a wealthy guy well, and his midget friend or his small <laughs> little person <laughs> friend. Yeah. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's just a little guy. Uh, this yeah. dips where Zach gets canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I'm a terrible one. I'm sorry. So, so yeah, in the first one, you know, they hire uh, the bandit and Jerry Reed to drive a whole bunch of cores. This one, uh, I don't even remember how they get an elephant. They're like, oh, they're hired to bring it somewhere, and then they open the truck and feel figure out that it's there's an, an elephant, elephant filled with beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't um, be fooled. And then, of course, they fall in love. Well, Sally Field's character falls in love with the elephant, and then they all do, and so they gotta protect the elephant. And, they have to get and a then, for it, and then they wreck a bunch of cars. And that's the movie, um, and it's 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 just fine cinema. Yeah, it's and just you know. Dom DeLuise plays the elephant doctor. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yes, Dom oh, DeLuise hitting yeah. it up in 1980. Uh, and yeah, Jackie Gleason. Uh, this one has Jackie Gleason's um, the guy who plays his son in the movie a lot more, mm -hmm. uh, and then Jackie Gleason plays his own brothers who are federal officers from other countries and regions including canada including canada because why um, not <laughs> so my number two in 1980 <laughs> second best to the number one film Smokey and the bandit two <laughs> did, did i ever tell you i got um before he died i got to meet hal needham and he was at the oh, yeah. new beverly doing a screening of megaforce oh wow and so i got to meet him and take a picture with him outside of one of the megaforce motorcycles but he told stories about smoking the band and, and part two specifically and just no. like the amount of wreckage he was able to pull off in his career as a director he was he's an utterly fascinating guy to yeah. to, to think about so, it was they yeah. were really entertaining when i was like 10 yeah i thought they were great uh and Sally field is wonderful yeah you know i really like her yeah i really do ryan uh, i have a feeling brad and my films are going to be two and one because we're probably the greatest. Um, yeah. My number two has been mentioned before, and it's a all-time camp classic for me. And I'll just pause because we're waiting for it to load. Yep. Yep. It is a tag team review with me. 
Yes, and so uh, yeah, Brad and I both chose Friday the Thirteenth as our number two film, and yeah, it's for me it's really important because I love the Friday the Thirteenth film I mentioned earlier. Um, while I don't think they're great movies, but they're fun movies for me, and I always enjoyed watching them. Um, and it's just it, it's a it's a fun time for me every time I watch a Friday the Thirteenth film. Yeah, it's not my favorite of the twelve. Um, this first one, but it. Uh, watching it again recently in the theater and like watching with the audience uh like rekindled the uh appeal for me of why it is so effective especially without like iconic jason um and i remember the first time i was watching i was a hollywood video i started like watching everything i get my hands on and just being like okay cool i'm gonna watch the jason movies and then i watched the first one i'm like huh where's the mask where's jason like oh he's surely gonna be in the second one so and i watched the second one well, he's there, but he doesn't have the mask. Yep. And then uh, I, was, I was surprised that that iconic character took that long to get started. Yeah, yeah, and it's so even more surprising that it was an accident that how he got the mask. They were trying to look for something on screen that would look good against dark, I guess. They just settled, settled on a white hockey mask. But this movie is, I mean, it, it created a whole genre, really. I mean, slasher films it, it existed before, but it really created this exploitation slasher holiday themed horror movies and it's and now they all kind of follow the same trope where it's you don't know who's killing someone until the very end and yeah it's it's lots of fun it gets and it gets credited with creating certain tropes that it doesn't necessarily endorse each time like you know whether it's like you know bill they're they're being killed because they have sex or whatever you know yeah it's it's, part two proves that wrong yeah exactly dude in the wheelchair takes a machete to the head yeah i'd probably say this is the smartest of all of them um, because it, you know, this obviously isn't the supernatural one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of a regular slasher movie, and then it does have a pretty creative twist. Yeah. Um, because there's a couple times where you're like, it does a really good job of misleading you on like who ac- actually could be, mm-hmm. um, committing the murders. Um, and yeah. at the end of the day, it's just a mom that's pissed that they didn't watch her kid. Yeah. You she's, weren't paying any attention. And she's great in it. Yep. And she wanted to buy a new car. That's why she took the role. <laughs> and here we are. Yep. Second highest grossing film of the year? No, it's pretty high up there though. Mm. It did crush the shining that were they were released on the same day. Well the shining didn't do as well at the box office as this, clearly. But. Yeah, also a champion of like independent cinema because yeah. yeah. they just made it and then yeah. they sold it to Paramount. Yep. So And then Paramount proceeded to treat that franchise like garbage. Yeah. Yep. No, Warner Brothers can treat it like garbage. Yeah. <laughs> well, Everybody like garbage. It's it's stuck. Yeah. Because of rights issues. Victor yeah. and Sean, yeah. yeah. Cool. Henry. Henry. Well, that was 1980. <laughs> uh, Henry, your number one. My number one film. Uh, uh, the TV screen's going to say it's Airplane. Not true anymore, because this thing's gone off the rails. Uh See, I'm tired. I removed all the pretentious shit from the f- past three film explosions from my list, and both, all three times, my number one has been swept in five through ten. So, re-fucking working it. My number one <laughs> film is City of Women, which is a pretentious Italian film about sex roles. Uh, great film! But that's my number one now. Or Airplane. Fuck it. Who cares? They're both great. <laughs> <laughs> 
No. So yeah, either of those, either of those are my number one. Fucking airplane <laughs> comedy, yay, fun. City Woman, also a fun comedy, kind of, but it's Italian and pretentious, and it's artistic. It's a Fellini film. Fuck it, who cares? <laughs> anymore. Uh, Go talk about your space odyssey. Wait, no, this this fucking guy. Me? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, my number one was talked about three hours ago. It's Sweet. I'm so happy that I swept you this early then. Oh, my God. <laughs> you got that wrong. That's John Carpenter's The Fog. Get it right. I'm so glad I did this to you. <laughs> <That's> not, why? <laughs> because. I was written on the list. Hey, hey, you know what? Here's what's great. Well, no. We'll, we'll, I'll talk about what's great once once Zach's done. Zach, tell us about why The Fog is your number one movie of all time. Uh, it's, it's got a radio host who fights pirate ghosts. That's why I she love it. Really fight them though. Eh, nah, <laughs> and I hear they're not really pirates. No, they're well, they're pirate ghosts. They're they're pissed. I hear they want revenge. Spooky dark hands. <laughs> I li- uh, my pirates need to have long trench coats that are very colorful and big hats with feathers. One <laughs> of the things that is great about the production of this film is actually how much they had to reshoot this movie because it didn't turn out the way they wanted it. Um, the screen factory on this is incredible. No, I. I like uh, John Carpenter, obviously, but this particular film, like it's what I appreciate about it is that it's not aggressively like super violent, um, much like what Halloween was prior, where it's like a lot of things are kind of in the shadows and they're a little bit more drawn out rather than going for full on gore. Um, I appreciate the mood and the atmosphere, and I think Dean Cundy shot a beautiful looking horror movie with this. Um just the mood and the atmosphere, like I, I like kind of sitting with it and it's just, it's, it's, it's weird. It's kind of like a, like a good horror lullaby before you go to sleep. Like it's just like a nice little like bedtime story, um, with pirate ghosts and Janet Lee and Hal Holbrook and Hal Holbrook's the priest who drinks wine. Cause why not? Um, and, uh, it, he's just, he, the, the entire like atmosphere of the film just engrosses me. And, um, uh, you know, actually, this is actually the first Tom Atkins film I've seen because I didn't see Halloween three for a long time, um, even amidst my Halloween fandom, because I was told, well, that's the one without Michael. Why bother? Um, but Atkins is good in the film, too. Um, I think everybody's on their A game here. And yeah, I mean, it's not I, it's, I don't think it's my favorite Carpenter film, but it's within that top five because I appreciate the work that's done there. And it's. Um, I, I've rewatched it a lot constantly, especially with trying to make a horror film of my own. So um, it's been a good inspiration in that respect of just like, well, how does one tell a ghost story in their own way? And this is one of many examples that I happen to enjoy. So, yeah, the number one uh, for 1980, The Fog. The, the reason why is because he, he's uh, he's like, there's no way anyone else is going to put The Fog on their list. And I just cut his legs out <laughs> so early. <laughs> yeah, I really like The Fog. Uh, Honestly, my number like Elephant Man could have been number one too. It tossed back and forth for a bit, sure. but I just I rewatched the fog way more. My yeah. biggest question is between the two of you, in what ten the fuck? In ten movies, <laughs> you couldn't get the greatest movie of the year. <laughs> yeah, on there is only one movie. I wanted to let you guys matters. have your moment. I didn't want to steal it from you because I would have yeah. put it in like five through ten. But I'm so not an that, asshole. That would have like been worse than anything so. I could have done in the middle of it. I, wait. But we can also point out that this is a second film explosion in a row. The real nerds that matter have picked <laughs> the number one film. Oh, yeah. Year. It must be a generational thing. Yeah, there's... Oh, yeah. Yeah, boomers. Like... Fucking yeah, enjoy your Star Wars. Hey, turn the Skype off. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... 
Uh, the, the number one movie. Can you show me how to turn the Skype off? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, the number one movie is the only movie on this whole thing that matters. Totally. It's, it's the only movie that, like, when you look at, oh, I have to make a list for 1980, and, like, well, at least there's this. Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess, destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there. Creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. The continuing story of our band of heroes, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, C-3PO, R2-D2, and Chewbacca. And introducing Lando Calrissian. It's an epic of romance. Of heroes and villains. They cross trackless voids to unknown worlds. Galactic Odyssey against oppression. A big, new, sprawling space adventure in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. Coming to your galaxy next summer. Uh, yeah, The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it's one of the greatest movies ever. It's the second best Star Wars movie of all time. No, I'm, I'm just being a troll. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I agree. <laughs> uh... Yeah, it's funny, like, especially sitting here watching through all those trailers, like I was saying while this one was playing, like, it just looks and feels different from anything else that we've seen today. Um, And it's one of those movies, too, when you, uh, my dad is a huge Star Wars fan, and it's one we would always go back to. My mom and dad were divorced. Sad. And we used to spend every other weekend (laughs) with my... fucking story again. We'd spend every other weekend with my dad, and we always watched the empire strikes back yeah. we probably watched it 30 50 000 times. i can't even tell you how many times i've seen this film but i absolutely adore this movie it is such a like well-paced amazingly laid out film like the whole beginning on hoth and then you got yoda and you got everything on the cloud city you got i love you i know like everything about the movie is classic you know like oh man it's yeah. just ridiculous it is yeah, about how great this film is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's got Boba Fett. Yep, Boba, Boba Fett. Fett. Thank you. <laughs> um, man, yeah, I it's, don't it's got it. no. I'm your father. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh my god, maybe the greatest it's twist in movie the history. The biggest reveal. And that always be yeah. sad for us because we weren't in the theater in 1980. So 
that reveal right. was already spoiled, so we'll never get to enjoy that. Well, I just but. I just watched the movie so young that I can't remember the first time I saw it. Yeah, and so I grew up always knowing it. Yeah, right? like that's. I don't fair. know that it was spoiled for me. I just think I I had seen it before I could remember seeing it. You mm-hmm. know, um, hmm. yeah. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like I we're denied like sitting in the theater and being like surprised. Mm. For sure, yeah. That's right. why I, like I wish I could experience. Yeah. Well, we got the Palpatine reveal. It's about the same. <laughs> Granddaughter. <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, it was all going so well. So, but hey, Babu yeah. Frick. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Babu Frick. Um, yeah. No. I mean, Empire Strikes Back. It's you know, this is when I knew I was a, more of a movie snob than my brothers. So my dad, I'll never forget, he got the uh, trilogy on VHS. So we wore those tapes out. Yeah. But they always wanted to watch Return of the Jedi. And I always wanted to watch The That's, Empire Strikes Back. It's because they were a little older than you. And, you know, Carrie Fisher's in a metal bikini. Like, you maybe. Know, yeah. Maybe. I'm just saying, when I was like 14, I watched The Return of the Jedi really? a lot, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hmm. But, I, I mean, I watched The Empire a lot as well. Just saying. I'll always defer to The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah. Because when you we say, uh, we wore that tape out. Oh yeah, like because was it the? It's like but, silver. Um, well, okay, you had that one. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, and we had the one before too, where it was like all I remember is all beat up, and it had the old 20th Century Fox logo on the side. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Yep. Rabbit yeah. ears. Yeah, we used to watch we them had, all the time. We had that one that has the the interview with um, Leonard Malton. Leonard Malton at the beginning. That like I sat through those so many times. <laughs> that that was the oh last version before the special editions. That's right. the one that right. my folks introduced me to. Yeah. Which actually like I didn't have any pretext it's for a, Star Wars period, so I did not know the reveal right. when I first saw Empire. Yeah. Um. But because uh, my dad, my dad said you have to watch Star Wars with your cousin, uh, or you can't watch your Looney Tunes tape. And so I was like, fine, I'll watch whatever this is. And then I watched it and I was like, I want more of that, please. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just hard for me to, you know, rank it, 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 with Star Wars or nope. even MCU. It's hard for me to rank. So like easy. That, so. <laughs> yeah. Like for no, 1980, it's, uh, it's, I look at as soon as I open, I'm like, well, don't have to worry about my first two movies. <laughs> <laughs> right. The ones after that, <laughs> a little tricky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I compare this to Harlequin, it's <laughs> rough. Uh, you know, they're both, they're both in the same space yes. of my top 10. <laughs> yes. Also, Flash Gordon effects, <laughs> we just saw like two hours ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then Empire Strikes Back, you're like, oh, yeah. How is like the film stock and the special effects like so disparate at the same time? Right. Yeah, it, no, you're right. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Because I'm making it me. Yeah. No, Irving Kirshner is making it, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did he though? Well, I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> but you have the it's really Dykstra and all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have George Lucas steering this a certain way, and I, I always, you know, people always make fun of. But I, I've always said this: I love Attack of the Clones, where he focuses so hard on getting Yoda right, and yeah. you can see where his meticulousness comes from. Where mm-hmm. that's why those, even though he's just a producer on this, I guarantee you, he says, "No, it needs to look this way. It needs to look that way. You need yeah. to shoot it this way." Uh, because if you watch The Empire of Dreams, they talk about how hard it was to make this movie. They had to reshoot yeah. a lot of Empire, yeah. too. The, the, so. the, the difference in that is that, like, he, he pays so much attention to it later on in Attack of the Clones that that's part of why he gets it wrong, right? Yep, like, I agree. Because he's, he's also the one who wrote, so, right, like, 
Mm-hmm. He wrote all the dialogue for for Yoda, but he wrote it in normal English, and then Frank Oz changed it. And the reason why Yoda doesn't feel right in Attack of the Clones is that he tried to write Yoda speak, and he gets it wrong. Yeah. He actually moves the consonants around in the wrong place and yeah. things like that, and it's just not. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. One of the greatest movies of all time. Yep. It is. Yeah. Best um, movie in 1980. Easily. Sure. Yeah. It some, is decided. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we have some mailbags. Yeah. We do. I have one for my mom. Do you want me to do that one? Yep. All right. 1980 film explosion. Uh, hello from your biggest fan, Aww. says my mom. Oh, Thanks. Um, funny, since I'm not on the show that much anymore, that means she likes you guys more than she likes me. Is that how that <laughs> measures out? Uh, yes, I'm still listening to all episodes. So, uh, <laughs> uh, well, except the interviews. Um, it, that's mostly because I, I don't know who they are. Um, what a crazy world we are Sometimes living we in. Sometimes we don't. Right. What a crazy world we are living in right now. Uh, I knew we were in big trouble when the word got out that the Alamo had closed. Uh, 1980 was a great year for us. Uh, Rich and I got married and Jacob oh. was born. Uh, I was surprised by how many movies we saw from that year. Of course, we probably saw them later. Uh, some I don't remember very well. Uh, not much. Uh, oh, not much to get really excited about. Uh, so I'll make it quick. Uh, number ten, the jazz singer. Uh, love Neil Diamond. Hmm. Not the most well-made or acted movie, but I love it anyway. <laughs> uh, number nine, Superman two. Uh, this movie holds a special memory because Rich and I saw it at the drive-in. We were in my Volkswagen convertible, and I was about five months pre- pregnant <laughs> That's with Jake. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, number eight, Somewhere in Time, an interesting time travel mo- story. I've never heard of that movie. It's got Christopher <laughs> Reeve. Oh, okay. Um, number seven, Smokey and the Bandit 2. Uh, <laughs> what you get from a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you learned your lesson. Uh, that's really good. Uh, number six, Guild Alive. She was so amazing. Yeah. Uh, number five, Private Benjamin. Fun. Oh, yeah. just all that is a fun movie. I don't remember it. That's the only reason I didn't use it, because I like, yeah. Um, number four, Coal Miner's Daughter. Uh, My dad loves that movie. Yeah. Uh, this is a favorite because I love Loretta Lynn. Her life story is fascinating. Sissy Spacek was amazing. Yep. Number three, The Blues Brothers. Nice. Um, on a mission from God. So great. <laughs> uh, number two, Nine to Five. This movie is so much fun, and I'm a huge Dolly Parton fan. Number one... Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Duh. <laughs> that, that is it. I'm looking forward to listening. Uh, hope you're all well and not suffering, suffering from cabin fever. Hugs from a distance, Carol. No, that's why we do this. To get out and do something. <laughs> uh, Corinne wrote in, and she uh, says, Hey, nerds. First of all, I wanted to thank everyone who's participated in Movie Madness so far. I've We're only a post today. <laughs> We're only four days in, and I hope everyone is as ha- much fun as I am. The first three matchups were blowouts, unfortunately, but I think these next five are going to be a little well, bit closer. I mean, I don't want to point out the obvious to Corinne, but you can't put the Princess Bride against Juliet naked. Yeah. Or, yeah. or no contest. Yeah. Or uh, well, apparently what, what was the one against the Ten Commandments? I can't remember. Charade? Was it Charade? Charade? Yeah. yeah. Come Charade. on. Uh, and Fiddler on the Roof against Casablanca? Come on, Corinne. I could call those blowouts. Next one will be interesting. It's You Got Mail against uh, Sabrina. With Harrison either, Ford. So. Oh. That's really good because those are both kind of remakes. They yeah, because you've got mail. Well, you've got mail is shop not around really, the corner, yeah. But it, yeah. Um, 
Ultimately, I'm curious to see which film of the 13 remaining films ends up winning the whole thing. For those of you listening at home, please go to the Real Nerds Facebook or Twitter page every day from now until April 2nd to vote. It's lots of fun and will help you pass the time. But anyway, on to 1980 Film Explosion. Sorry I wasn't able to join you today. Unfortunately, I made other plans. And anyway, I've only seen like four movies from 1980. And of them, there's only Didn't one stop that me. in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> there's only one that in my mind is worthy of being on a top ten list. And you can all probably guess which one I'm talking about. So rather than me submitting a top one... 1980 film explosion list which would be mega boring i decided to switch things up a little bit i've compiled a top 10 list of films from 1940 50 60 70 and 80 that way i can honor other movies making marking a major anniversary this year and i can actually have a list of 10 movies huzzah by the way is it weird that i've seen more movies from 1940 than from 1980 is no, it 1980 was clearly a bad year <laughs> And I like more of the 1941s than I do the 1981s. <laughs> no, not weird. No. Anyway, I threw this together at the last minute, so no doubt I'll change the order if I had more time to think about it, but here we go. Number 10, from the 1970s, Torah, Torah, Torah. It's yeah. been a long time since I saw this movie, but it's so well done. Everybody needs to go check it out. Yeah. Uh, number 9, from 1940s, Fantasia. Hmm. This film gave us a lot of wonderful moments, not only in Disney history, but in film history. The Sorcerer's Apprentice is dazzling, and Night on Bald Mountain is fucking terrifying. <laughs> Even thinking about it right now, it gives me the chills. Number eight, also from the 1940s, Pinocchio. I haven't seen this movie ever. I haven't seen Disney. it in ages, but when you wish upon a star is awesome, and I love Jiminy Cricket as a character. He makes for a great ghost of Christmas past in, in Mickey's Christmas Carol. I need to rewatch this movie sometime soon because I don't think I've seen it uh, since I was like six, and it probably deserves some love. Number seven, no decade submitted. The Shop Around the Corner, never heard of it. Uh, this is a great movie in its own right, but it's also the source material for You Got Mail. So it had to be on my list. Yep. I'm not a huge Jimmy Stewart fan, but I do like him in this movie. Slubich. Number six from the 1960s, Inherit the Wind. I remember we watched this in high school for English class, and I actually enjoyed it. I really liked all the performances, especially Spencer Tracy's. And it just uh, it's just a solid movie about several important moments in American history. Mm-hmm. Back to the 1940s, number five, Rebecca. A solid ab- adaptation in a very romantic and reminiscent style. Love all the performances and the ambiance. Wonderful movie that everyone should check out. Yep. From the 1950s, number four, Cinderella. There are people out there who give this movie shit, but fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is awesome. It truly is a fairy tale come to life. Back to the 1970s. In animation. <laughs> who doesn't like Cinderella? <laughs> I, I, no one's ever said that. I don't know that. either, but fuck them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Hey, Corinne, who, we need, who do we need to fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Just tell me who you want to fuck. <laughs> Just point me in the direction. Oh, fuck him. <laughs> fuck this lamp. <laughs> I'll check your fucking dick. Uh, number four from the 1950s, Cinderella. There are people out there who give the... Oh, I said that already. <laughs> number three. But read it again. It was good. Uh, number three from the 1970s, the, the, Aristoc- the Aristocats. I got to be careful not to say the Aristocrats. The Aristocats. This is my mom's favorite Disney Disney movie. I realize there are a few bits that are definitely problematic. Yep. Oh, yeah. But that shouldn't take away from how wonderful this movie is overall. Phil Harris is fantastic. Great memories watching this with my family, and we quote it all the time. I still say it was a little old cricket bug. I'm the leader. I'll decide what it was. It was a little cricket bug. I haven't seen this in a while, so I don't yeah. know what the hell that's reference to. <laughs> I'll try it again. 
I still say it was a little old cricket bug. I'm the leader. I'll decide it was. It was a little old cricket bug. I, I, I imagine that's what it sounded like. Yeah. Number two from the 1940s, Pride and Prejudice. Well, it's not my favorite adaptation of Jane Austen's original novel. Oh, my God, the Jane Austen shit. <laughs> Can I just marry Jane Austen already? Golly. This version clear, uh, certainly has merit. I mean, Sir Lawrence Olivier is Mr. Darcy. Come on. <laughs> There's, yeah. That's every person's dream. <laughs> Let's talk about that. I mean. And this movie gave it to us. It definitely is weird to see Pride and Prejudice in the style of old Hollywood with the big gowns, the glamorous leading ladies, and the over-the-topness of it all, but I love it anyway. Mm-hmm. And my number one film of all this combined, of this list combined, is... The Empire Strikes Back. 1980s, The Elephant Man? All right, Corinne. Mm-hmm. It's not even the best David Lynch film. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Oh, LOL, just kidding. <laughs> Obviously, it's the Empire Strikes Back, dummies. Oh, okay, all right, you're good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I won't tell you all how great it is because you already know. While The Return of the Jedi might have been my favorite Ridge Tridge movie as a kid, wow, and still holds a special place in my heart, I guess I've come to appreciate the craftsmanship, world building, themes, imagery, tones, and characters the Empire Strikes Back, Strikes Back gave us. So many great moments, such a great movie. It deserves this spot without a doubt. Thanks, nerds. Hope to see you all soon, Corinne. Cool. Um, I've got one from John Ekstrom from John of All Trades podcast, which is currently on hiatus. Well, his is an like, interview podcast. So I get it. Right. <laughs> With random people. Where yeah. do you work? Is it clean there? <laughs> yep. Yeah, where'd it go? Oh, there it is. Hey, nerds. Here are my picks for 1980. Airplane. Obviously, right? 40 years later, and it's still one of the funniest movies ever made. In a movie full of hilarious performances from top to bottom, I'm reasonably sure that Steven Stuckers is my favorite. <laughs> and Leon is getting larger. <laughs> and then he jumps sideways out of the frame. What a f- weird acting choice. Like making a hat. <laughs> uh, ordinary People. Feels a little on the nose taking the year's best picture, but what can I say? I'm a sucker for Jed Hirsch. And think Mary, <laughs> Mar- and think Mary Tyler Moore's play... And think Mary Tyler Moore plays brilliantly against type. Uh... The Gong Show movie. Just kidding. I've never seen this, but I'm sure bet it sucks. That's called the James style list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Somewhere in time. Sadly, I've seen this movie a lot. My mom loves it, and I've grown to appreciate its weirdly curated schmaltz, irredeemable, irredeemable hokiness, and goofy, goofy contrivances. This is just about the last thing I would ever choose to watch on my own accord. Yet, by virtue of having a good relationship with my mom, I've seen it probably half a dozen times. I unironically enjoy it. And lastly, Urban Cowboy. What a weird year of movies. This movie is a trashy delight, and the idea of a fucking mechanical bull figuring prominently into the plot of any movie just makes me happy. Yep. Cool. Um, There's some Facebook stuff. Yeah, we have Facebook stuff as well. Um, I've got one from uh, Instagram. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just opened up Facebook, and the first thing that came up with John of All Trades podcast. So much for the hiatus. That's right, I'm back. <laughs> and I'm back tomorrow. Um, uh, Marshall Rosales, who was on Shanley Silhouette, uh, he said that The Changeling is his number one um, nice. horror film of all time. So, yeah, there you go. So that was, that was his definitely. Uh, he never sent me a full list, but um, yeah, The Changeling, getting some love this time around. Cool. It's weird, uh, all those trailers I didn't see Angelina Jolie once. Yeah. 
Guess she found her kid. Um, <laughs> that's a joke from 2006. I was too Anybody? busy making a rodeo move. Is it 2008? Yeah, I looked it up earlier while he was talking about the change because I was trying to think of a good oh. joke. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so on Facebook, my friend Frank, uh, who I worked with at Outback years ago, uh, he sent in uh, his favorite films are Bronco Billy, Any Which Way You Can, and Battle Beyond the Stars. Huh. I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, Frank. Uh Evan also sent us a list. Should we say their last names? Uh, nah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. He's uh, on Facebook. They can, you know, yeah. can go look at uh, The Empire Strikes Back, Raging Bull, Blues Brothers, Superman 2, Caddyshack, Airplane, Friday the 13th, The Fog, The Changeling, and Ordinary People. He also uh, has a dishonorable mention, uh, Xanadu, Can't <laughs> Stop the Music, Popeye, and Blue Lagoon. So, oh, yeah, no love for Blue Lagoon, which isn't surprising. <laughs> until I saw the big, big brawl, I was going to put Xanadu on my list, only because I saw it at the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I regret this decision. My, uh, my mother-in-law is a big fan of Blue Lagoon. Don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, James also sent us, a different James sent us a list, and he says it's in no order. Uh, the final countdown. Is Job here? Airplane. Blues Brothers. Cruising, Friday the 13th, The Shining, and Used Cars. Uh, used Cars is pretty good, It's and it's Zemeckis I, before he... I watched it for the first time yesterday. <laughs> Did you like it? Yeah. It was okay. I really wasn't into it for like the first hour, mm-hmm. and the finale actually kind of makes it better. Yeah. Um, and I, I really want to know, is that really Kurt Russell staying on those cars? In the finale, mm, or that a uh, really close-looking stuntman? Because there's some close-up shots. Did Shout are... Shout put that out recently? Didn't I they? Think so, yeah. I think so. Yeah, uh, that would be a good uh, purchase to see the special there. features. Yeah. And then yeah, that whole ramping that car up, like to jump the train, is pretty impressive. Oh uh, yeah. So, but everything else like is really kind of sleazy. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, everybody, for sending in yeah. lists. Nice participation. Even though it seems like there wasn't a lot of movies that people liked, there was a few that people are saying, yes, let me know. I'll put this out there. Blues Brothers and uh, Empire Strikes Back seem to be the ones that always pop up. Yeah, uh, Friday 13th is on a few. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we hope that will make your quarantine a little less not fun. Henry, thank you for coming in from New York, where you're in shelter in place. Yeah, it's been fun. But you look great. Um, <laughs> Did this help you not feel alone having us yeah. here? Yeah, it feels good to not be alone. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we Can don't we know what we're going to do yeah. next week. Uh, we'll think of something, yeah. and we'll have the show. It won't be a movie in the theater for sure. Yeah, so we'll you know we'll either do a movie. Uh, Streaming, or we'll think of maybe another way we can do the show. But we'll always have a Real Nerds podcast episode every week. Or write in and tell us what you want us to do. Yeah, let us know. (laughs) Uh, I'll be able to put that out there. Uh, Yeah, because there's no way in hell that I've been doing this for over nine fucking years, (laughs) and I'm going to miss a week because of a fucking cold. (laughs) And I'm sorry. Make sure everybody stays safe. Yeah. Because we don't know what's going on with it. But I'm starting to get a lot of messages from you know ESPN and... Things like that where they're starting to think about ramping stuff up again. So mm-hmm. hopefully that by doing this for a little over a month, it'll squash this virus and yeah. we can get back to watching the Avalanche and the Rockies and um, go see movies again. I don't care about any of that. I just want to stop eating pumpernickel bread. Totally. And get the fucking pumpernickel shit out of here. And I just looked at like movie releases and it looks around May 15th they're going to start doing wide releases again or they haven't been postponed. So, yeah, yeah. 
So Black Widow was postponed, but there's a couple dates. I think maybe they might push it to May 15th or something. So. And I don't want Denver Comic Con or Denver Pop Culture Con to be canceled. I don't so. think it will. It'll be in the summer. Yeah. Virus is usually gone by then. A lot of amazing glasses. It's just, a, it's just how big it. it is, right? Like, <laughs> there's a big difference between having people in movie theaters and having people in thousands of people together getting all duded up. Yep. They'll think it'll be all right. Yeah. We'll be all right. Above all, stay safe. We'll get there. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Wash your damn hands. Yeah. yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day. <laughs>